episode 102 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we start our look at October 1988 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 42 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in the UK singles and albums chart that month. Graham, there is much to discuss, so inform the listeners of what pleasures are on offer. In this incredibly tasty homemade chicken stir-fry of an episode. Guns, guns, guns. We explore the various types. A-type, B-type, not our type though. In the clone-you-like C64 coding wonder shoot-em-up, Catechis. We climb, stagger and plummet our way around some dreary obstacles. In the dubious and dysfunctional Mr. Wino, develop serious tendinitis and carpal tunnel as we furiously waggle our joysticks through a decathlon. In the risk-taking Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge, and climb atop our trusty flying steed, take to the skies and tunnels, and shoot everything in the well-animated Odysseus Trojan Warrior. Add a slackful of Reaper chilies to your stir-fry, and you will turn your arsehole into a lit cigar. I've proved it in tests. We also manage an international football team through a whole series of options and choices in the statty and option-loaded Tracksuit Manager. Try and make sense of a game that works hard to make none whatsoever with the crappy Diamond. Stake out some crazy drug dealers in a non-conspicuous van and get incredibly bored doing it in LA Crackdown before finally exploring the dull mazes, silly shoot-em-ups and crappy platforms, all looking for proper definition in The Vindicator. If this was a buffet, it would be almost 100% volivant, and nobody, nobody ever wants volivants. Watch her as she takes the <laughs> pleasures from the serpent, that once corrupted man. <laughs> Indeed. Um, not pleasant, is it? No. Uh, there are some, pl- there may no. be some pleasures. I'm not sure everything is a pleasure that's. that's Depends how you define pleasure, doesn't it? <laughs> pleasure, pain, some pleasure, <laughs> others. Pain. <laughs> you start to sound like bloody Pinhead again. <laughs> it just happens. I'm just about, you know, I'll, slipping I'll in and like... out of Pinhead. It's Pinhead Tourette's. Just slips in and out of Pinhead. <laughs> no tears, please. Oh, sorry, sorry. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> oh, you, just because you failed your assignment. No tears, please. <laughs> don't go down too well in today's modern uh, modern lecturing. You opened the box of chocolates. I came. <laughs> I said that's quite gross, really, as well. <laughs> Not really. I heard them from the other room. <laughs> I want to be Dar- Davros then. It's just a chocolate box. No, it's really not. It's he doesn't really say that. Not. He doesn't say. Yeah. That. He says things like that though. He does. Bloody, yeah. uh, bloody pinhead. Anyway, uh, it's the first. It's the. It's a new month. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. So we have to discuss <laughs> the is. cover. We do. Let's have a look at the cover. And this is a cover. Yeah. Is that is that a space prawn? <laughs> It's it's a something. It's I don't know. It's a, well, I suppose it's a bit of space a lobster. Crab. Space lobster. 
Yeah, Space Lobster, I think. It's something. Yeah. There are things to note on this. So it's the best-selling Commodore magazine in Britain. They make a thing now. They're, they're covering Amiga games. They've switched yep. over. They're definitely officially. They're blowing up the 64, if you notice. Oh, they are, yeah. Cheeky, that. Did you know? Yeah, I know cheeky, it's Yeah, a bit cheeky, that. So they're blowing up the 64, so that's going. The price has gone up from £1.25 to 150 It actually Ooh. says only 25p extra. And I'm selling my some selling my children into slavery. What? Not pleasant, is it? Oh, a bit dark. I know it is a bit dark, isn't it? So, so, sorry, selling my granny into white slavery. That's a bit grim. Um, put that on there. Well, it's on there. Terrible. <laughs> uh, it's also gone up to nine Deutschmarks. If you're in uh, Germany, that is a lot of Deutschmark. That's a lot of Deutschmark. Get, but you it's could get yourself six Schnitzelgruppen for that. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, you must have an enormous Schwanstucker <laughs> for that much. Goes for that many saying. Deutsch mucks. So, you can walk sideways and win a trip to Egypt. What does that mean? Is that to do with walk like an Egyptian? I, I think so, yeah. They don't walk sideways. In fact, Egyptians don't walk like that. No, that would be a crab. <sighs> what are they Maybe, on about? I don't know. Um, Star Glider 2 is Amiga, but... Of interest is the, the big gap in the corner. Um, if your fab zap, there's a mega tape. Mega there's tape. Mega tape. Mega tape. Um, and you've got some something interesting about that mega tape, haven't you, Graham? Yes, what I have because the mega tape was meant to be meant to be a uh, playable level of the game Catechist, but because of events, it was replaced in the eleventh hour by drum roll, <laughs> time tunnel. I was trying. That's the weird gnome traveling gnome, one. Yeah, that was the space baguette, wasn't it? We <laughs> thought he was a baguette. Yeah. Time traveling baguette wielding gnome. <laughs> That's the one. That's when the did one. we review that? That was ages ago. They must have trolled the depths of hell to find that for a freebie. What can we put the cover? We're desperate. I don't know that. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, so weird. Why pick that? I don't know. Oh, it's just. Very, it's, very full, it's the full game, though, in all fairness, I think. I mean, that's fair enough, it's whether you'd want it or not, isn't it? I mean, it was all right, I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. It's not Catechist, though, is it? You'd be like, oh. It's really not Catechist, no, which is mm. obviously the cover, which is the cover illustration, isn't it? The it space is. crab. Space prawn, crab. Lobster, whatever. Um, yep. So there's a spaceship shooting a bigger spaceship. Yep. And the smaller thing is blowing up the 64. It's all right. I'm not a big fan of this cover. No, no. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit, it look, it's not quite up to the usual standard, I don't think, really. I think it's just a little bit... It's not quite as good as the others have been, so... No, the the, pack, the, pack, the effects are good. The explosions and yeah, and yeah. the sort of trailing one that's going up and the... But it's just, I don't know, I, I think it's just badly composed. I don't like the big spot prawn. No, it's the sort of perspective issues. In, it's just not as good as it has been in the past. It's, and that, that does look like a deep-fried crab, um, <laughs> which is, no, space crab. I'm all for space crab. You know, that's good, but... Not like yeah. that. Not like that. Not no. like that. No, not like that. Anyway, there you go. That's your cover. It's not a particularly great one. But it's just interesting because of the... I was obviously switching over to the Amiga. It is. And also, it wins the award for the most boring supplement of the year. <laughs> what, a 24-page PC show supplement? Yeah. You mean you're not excited by that, Graham? No, I went to that PC show as well. Did you? And it, and it was boring. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, but would you not want a 24-page uh, reminder of it? No. It was really. It, I was really disappointed. I remember buying a hundred discs, and um, because they were quite cheap, and then wandering around aimlessly, not really being impressed by anything. So yeah, wasn't great. And I also went to the one in the following year as well, like an idiot, because I thought it might be better. I was expecting to meet like Cena's and stuff like that. No, you know, no decent coding demo creator is going to go to that. Nope. Anyway, it didn't. It just didn't happen. It's where, the Commodore show was worse, but 
PC show wasn't great. Anyway, there you go. That's the cover. We've got games to do. Should we get yeah. in some games? Let's do it. All right, let's get in some games. And uh, get, let's get into our first game. And our first game, it's over to you, Graham. It was supposed to be a, on a tape, but it was replaced by a time-traveling baguette-wielding dwarf. So <laughs> those those rascals—they're always doing stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, Eric and the dwarf. Sorry, the gnome nicked in and um, nicked the nicked the game. Basically, I think he was up to something. But for those who couldn't play the game because they haven't got the tape and they can only enjoy a time tunnel, tell us all about Catechis. Oh, Catechis, troubled Catechis, really. Uh, this is from Rainbow Arts, coded by Manfred Trends, the mighty, mighty Manfred Trends. Graphics by Andreas Escher, um, and the musician was, of course, Chris Hulsbeck. Um, same team, relatively the same team. I think maybe Andreas was a new addition, but they were basically the guys behind um, Janice Sisters. Yes. Which was a clone of uh, Mario, <laughs> as we've discussed in the past. This one, well, another day, another game clone comes along, <laughs> another potential copyright infringement, and another potential lawsuit avoided. All in a day's work, isn't it, from Android Trends and the Rainbow Arts Posse? Yep. Um, this time they earned the ire of Activision, who had bought the rights to produce our type, um, which this game blatantly rips off. <laughs> There's no way around that. It is blatantly, blatantly. I mean, this is just an outright copy of that game. This and yes, I think our type and perhaps Denarius in the arcades, which is is that I forget which ones they are, but Nemesis, that kind of thing. But this particular one is is our type. Our type. It's our type. Yeah, it's totally our type. You know, this is this is copy our type. And just I'll put this out at the beginning because when we can talk about the game, Activision did not like the fact that this was out there. They were in the middle of producing our type at this time and realized quite quickly that this was way better than their. <laughs> game that they had i wonder how they told their um who, who they had making it i wonder if they yeah. sort of walked in and slapped this on and went look at that An awkward conversation yeah <laughs> so how's it how's the game going have you seen this oh no we haven't seen that you have now get out <laughs> get out take it take your crap copy with you <laughs> take your crappy version with you that's that's more like an a type um <laughs> So this obviously rips that off, and um, Activision took out an injunction preventing its release here in the UK. Um, so it didn't get released, hence the reason why the cover tape was taken off Zap, and it did get reviewed in Zap, but it was never released in the UK, as far as I'm aware, mm. ever. It did, there's a, another story attached to all of this, which I'll cover at the end. But long and short of it is, it did get very limited release in Germany and a few other little places. Not Germany's are not a little place, but little places in other places. And um, Germany's massive. <laughs> little places in other places. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't release it there. It was too big. But he had a little place <laughs> over there in that place. It. Our big <laughs> Germany. It's too, that's okay. It's the right size. We can release it there. Yeah, but it's bigger than the UK. Well, all right. Yeah, but it is. we're only releasing it in a little place within Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little over. It's little over. It's little Hoven. Um, anyway, uh, so hence it was massively distributed by, of course, our friend the pirate scenes. Tiny Platson. So the tiny Platsons uh, did get, get, get a release, and they released it enough in enough places for it to get massively distributed via the you know pirate copy scene. Yeah, that's the, how I got mine. That's, yeah, so, that's how I played this as well. So, and that's how I'm. I mean, I also you know partook in the distribution of this because uh, it was quite hot wares at the time. Distributed, you. You. I know, terrible, isn't it? Terrible. All that money, Manfred Trends never got. Wait a minute. Um, anyway, so that's how I got to play this back in the day. Um, I'll, so that's a little bit of the history of this, and then I'll come back to it um, because there's a little bit of, of an interesting footnote and also some asides. I'm not going to go, you know, crazy on it. It's shooting up at the end of the day, so we're not going to. Sounds anywhere. like you're writing an essay. There's footnotes, there's asides, there's appendix. For me, it's back to washing machines. That's how somebody ended one of uh, uh, an essay that they still did when I was a tutor in a, in a university once. Just as an aside, for me, it's back to washing machines. 
because they got fed up of writing. Um, true story, yeah. Anyway, how it all began, Adrian, how it all began. In another universe, beyond the imagination, lies the planet Catechist. But they, by the way, they came up with that name, and I think it's in the German phone book for something. Yeah, someone they knew or someone, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that, somewhere. yeah. The most central planet in the tri-solar system. Hmm, central planet, tri-solar. Okay. Terrible gravity around there if they've got three stars <laughs> in there. Anyway. In the beginning, the planet was a paradise for its inhabitants. Intelligence on the planet was flourishing with much research taking place. At the beginning, very simple genetic machines were developed. This form of industry grew much faster than anybody could previously have imagined. Mm. Um, of course, it could have only been that way, couldn't it? Because they didn't have the intelligence to imagine it previously. Let's just you know, park all that. <laughs> simple constructions which could do the hard work were at first sufficient, but then more complex machines began to interest the scientists. The machines became very specialised and ultimately very intelligent. Then, then they formed Skynet, and then they took over everything, and there was much crushing of skulls. <laughs> and then the, the sea greens came. <laughs> and the protein, and the plankton, <laughs> and the sea greens. <laughs> <laughs> People of Catechist had put all their creative power into their new development, but dun, 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 the machines developed into independent beings. Oh, they turned against that. their creators and began to devastate the paradise. I like that command. Devastate the paradise. Execute order 62. Um, disastrous natural catastrophes were brought about by them. Uh, not natural, sane. The machines learnt how to increase and use their destructive powers. Forests were destroyed with gases. Lakes and rivers were polluted with chemicals. Life on Catechist was unbearable. The despairing Catechians. Catechist. Catechitians. Katakians. All right. Katakian. Bless you. Um, knew that there was only one way to end this reign of terror. Use the atom bomb. I think uh, maybe whoever thought of that plan, get rid of him. The whole surface of the planet Catechus was destroyed by the bomb. Free life was now impossible, so a small group of survivors set up an underground stronghold. Here, they were protected from the deadly radiation, but they lived lives of misery in eternal darkness. God, this is well bleak. <laughs> I know, they changed and mutated into totally grey life forms, half machine, half organism. The aggression of the machines was vented on the inhabitants of Catechus. Systematically, the whole planet was stripped of life. The machines built new machines. Huge factories produced more advanced models. Hmm. What if they played this before they wrote The Matrix? Anyway, even uh, 10 years after the beginning of the machine revolt, Catechus is still a scene of permanent attack on life. Without rest, day in, day out, without certain end. The survivors try to build machines without independent intelligence to beat the destructive life forms, but he's always failed. <laughs> it was a naff effort. <laughs> <laughs> the Katakians knew that the only hope was to set up a base at a safe distance from the planet. This had until now, however, not been achieved. All who tried to reach the centre of the machine city, their interesting term there, uh, failed. In one final try, hmm. the remaining Katakians put all their technical knowledge together to invent a space glider that could be built very quickly. Will this space glider survive its mission? Will the weapons be enough? Will it succeed in penetrating the center of the ruling machines? Will the Katakians be free again? again, again, again. <laughs> so that's the story of Katakis. It's a side scroll to shoot, Mop. <laughs> yeah, no. Space glider. Space glider. Do, do, do. You From invent... Rainbird. <laughs> doesn't sound very threatening, a space glider. I've seen gliders. No, they're not that threatening. Yeah, we haven't seen a space glider, have you? That is very true. So that's how, that's that's the story of Katakis. This is a side-scrolling um, shoot em up um, And interestingly, um, you'll start the game you get the title screen now i'll cover all the different variations of all this stuff but for the just just for the sake of it 
there are a number of different interesting modes in this. So you've got one player and two player. You've also got teamwork mode where one player controls the, the spaceship. Um, I believe it's called the Eagle Fighter. And the other one controls the satellite. So mm-hmm. that's quite interesting. It's not. So the couple of games that have that kind of co-op, you know, Druid did a kind of co-op, didn't it? And uh, Wizball. did um, Wizball have it as well? Yeah, yeah Wizball, yeah, because you could have yeah. one controlling the catalog. So it's, it's not a new thing, but it's interesting in this. I think it's the first, first shooting buff of this type that did it, but... Some, they're all kind of varying and bouncing ideas off the same few games in the arcades at the moment, aren't they? Because Wizball's got to nick some shoot up ideas from something. And anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the things you can do. So you can sort of play complementary and um, satellites is kind of indestructible, isn't it? So you, they can sort of shield you. And it's quite a nice way of playing it if you can if you can mm-hmm. do that. So there's some really nice ideas in this, I think. And there's some incredible code in this game. But it does have issues. So you get when you start the game, you'll get the title screen, which is nice. And there's a decent soundtrack. I wouldn't say it was his best work, actually. Chris Hulsbeck is, I mean, he's an amazing composer and it is good. And there's actually better game music inside the game. But it's okay. But it's, um, so you'll get, you know, presented with that. You choose your one or two player or teamwork option, which I think is pretty cool. And then uh, you're pretty much straight into the game. A little bit of loading. Now, depending on which version you had, um, would depend how it was going to load for you. Mm -hmm. Um, This game featured a series of different things. It was actually, I think, developed on a very specific type of code base that utilized certain extensible things of different drives, I think. That's the best way I can describe it. uh, The original version uh, we got for this, I couldn't get that to work which was a D64, so it was the standard D64 um, type deal. Mm. But this game was never designed to work on that kind of standard disc setup. The disc setup for this was actually a fairly advanced one. Um, And so in order for the emulator to be able to play that, it has to be a G64 file, um, because the G64 features all the extensible 1571, whatever the hell it is. You know, I'm sure Manfred Trends has probably got a long explanation as to all the fancy stuff, but it made it work better. Short was long and short of it. (laughs) So that was the version I played for this. So once you start the game, um, you're into you're into our type. You know, you're a shoot 'em up. You start on the left, and uh, things you know, the background starts to scroll. There's a nice star effect in there as well. You've got a nice de- spaceship, decent spaceship design, and then obviously the shooting doth begin. Um, there are a whole bunch of upgrades in this game as well, um, which I'll come to as well. So there's quite a lot of that, um, but. That's principally the get. It's a shoot 'em up. You scroll from the scrolls from right to left. You travel from left to right, um, and you must make your way through the levels. Of which I never noted how many there are. Twelve, I think. Twelve levels, I think. Um, so you travel. It's got the idea is you get through all the, the twelve levels. There are bosses at the end of these as well. It's our type. So if you know how our type works, or Salamander works, or any of the shoot 'em ups of this genus, mm-hmm. you don't you really need me to describe what you have to do. Control heroes with the joystick. Um, you can shoot with the button, and if you hold the button down, you get like a power shot, just like our type does. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like our type. It's exactly it's that, it's our type. Um, so um, I'll, there are loads of upgrades in this: scatter shot, speed up, blitz shot. You know, there's stuff like that. I'll sort of come to them as we go through a little bit. But they're the same as they are in basically the same as they are in our type. There's slight variation, but basically the same. Um, so the graphics in this are actually good in this game. The good graphics, main sprites look nice. Loads going on. The main get window is the gameplay area that auto scrolls right to left as you traverse from left to right in your eagle fighter. At the very top is your player score and area indication. At the very bottom is your lives and indications of the power of your upgrades, etc. All that stuff easy to read, all very R typey. Background has a nice star effect. The, the, they're also the background um, environment varies a lot as well. So you're going through different you know environments. That you start off with some rocks and things and asteroids. I guess you don't really call them rocks, do they? Asteroids and meteors, things Asteroid, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Space rocks is a bit, but you know, it's not, it doesn't give them the magnitude they deserve, really, does it? <laughs> space rocks sounds like um, a sort of 1980s <laughs> American serial. It probably is. 
so you, you know and you'll get a lot of that then you'll go into sort of in places and you've got a whole bunch of stuff to sort of try and traverse and navigate your way through all the time you're being attacked like our type and um, you've got things that walk across the bottom like our type so you've got turrets that will shoot you like our type does and waves of enemies that will come at you in you know lines sometimes they'll travel across in waves and and sine waves i noticed it was less this was less sine wavy and more liney <laughs> more liney and then da- you know diagonal dives there was lots of diagonal dives in this so Sometimes they, yeah. that Delta was all loops. They came in, all the enemies came looping in. Loopy, 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 loop. Wham. This one's like yeah. coming at you straight away, dive down to you know, a, a, a jaunty angle, then straight at you again. That, so it's our type. Our type does that more. Um, I think this is probably one of the top C64 shooters in terms of how it looks and in terms of how it presents as a whole. It all plays and works like our type. Your Eagle Fighter can shoot. And like I said, and if you hold the fire button, you're down. And if you get the extra... Um, you can shoot the, there's like color blobs you can shoot, which will give you mini upgrades and you can get more upgrades and you can upgrade the upgrades so they can become more powerful as well. So you can become quite a powerful ship and yeah. it, it handles that part quite well. You do feel as empowered as you did in Salamander because Salamander had the same thing. It's they've, they've sort of learned the lesson of not starting you with literally nothing. And then, you know, like, like Delta did where you, you just, you were punished for, if you, if you had a few things, you can sort of, uh, it doesn't do that. You sort of get powered up quite quickly, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you've got that sort of, you know, powerful shot thing that you can do. There are loads of upgrades that you can collect, as I've said. They do significantly power your ship up, firing different things like laser weapons and, you know, multi-directional bullets. There's tons of them. And, of course, you've got the satellites, which kind of bolt onto the front of your ship or the back. Um, and you can press spacebar and you can set that shooting off. Um, and because yeah. it's indestructible, it can go out and, you know, and you, you can sort of, and that will also fire depending on how it's upgraded as well. So you can have a lot of stuff flying about in this. Quite crazy. Um, I quite like the fact that you can detach that. It's handy. It's just, it's always awkward when you're when in the middle of a fray like game like this and you've got to press spacebar. It's just awkward. So teamwork and two players, probably a good option for this, really. Mm-hmm. Um so in, like I said, in teamwork, you can one controls the ship, the other controls satellite. That's quite nice. The aim of this is to make your way through, as I said, um, and you'll fight some other larger bosses. Now the bosses are pretty impressive when you get to them um, in terms of the scale of what they've attempted. I think that's the what I'll say, and they've really made a good attempt at, to try and create proper bosses in a shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. We never really got that in a lot of them. Sometimes. Even with Io, as graphically as impressive as it was, and it was, um, Io felt like a great big background with a few bits moving in it. These are giant moving things, and that's quite cool that they've done that. And they're quite, they are, you know, medium res. The graphics here are a kind of medium res, um, but they don't necessarily feel badly designed. There's nice shading on them. The graphics, yeah, is, the graphics yeah. are pretty good. The graphics are all mm-hmm. pretty good. So when you do get to the sort of bosses, obviously you've got to just shoot the, you know, shoot the hot spots as it were. Very like our type. Um, and it's all kind of in that standard scrolling shooter fashion, clearly linked to how they, you know, they play. They've obviously done their homework and played the arcade to death to be able to mirror it like this. Uh-huh. So, like I said, some of the bosses are massive. It's nice to see that, um, but there are issues with some of them as well, which I'll come to. On the whole, I think on the whole it succeeds, and the, the graphics are very good throughout the game. So let's so let's look at the really positive. So. As a product, it succeeds, and it succeeded so well that they took it off the shelves because it looked exactly like the thing they were ripping off. So mm-hmm. it succeeded in that. The graphics are very good. The audio is, is really professional in terms of its sound effects and its music. Some of it's better than others, but it's all a good package. And it certainly feels like you know when it when it powers up and you roll into the game, it really feels like what it is. You know, you feel like you're in an R type game. Very, very challenging. Um, I think probably too difficult, actually, if I was brutally honest. Um, I think there's even with the power ups and some of the um, some of the shooting that you can do, um, it 
can get quite lightning and you can very quickly, you know, run into things. And it, it's just, I don't know. I found it quite hard to get off even the first level to get to the first boss was a near miracle. So it is very difficult. Um, and there are annoying quirks, which don't help that, which will, which you are going to encounter upgrades that spawn in weird places. So where they, where they appear inside of a rock or inside of the thing and mm. you can't get to them. And you will, you know, you, this, if you hit the, uh, any of the enemies, any of the rocks, space rocks, any of the scenery in this game, you're going to die. It's going to blow you up. Mm-hmm. So, so, it's a bit unfriendly in that way. So you don't even have the affordance of having sort of energy or shit. You can pick a shield up, but you don't have that initially. And if you don't have that and you hit something, you're dead. One of your three lives is gone. You can burn through your lives fast in this game, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when with the upgrades spawning in weird, sometimes impossible places, uh, death means that you can uh, often be underpowered um, because of that. And because of that previous problem, it could sometimes mean that you can't upgrade as quickly as you should be able to when you die. Because sometimes you'll die and you do get a little opportunity to get some of your upgrades back. But if they appear in stupid places, you can't get them. And then you are dead. Um, There is no. So if you don't get those upgrades, you're dead. And it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to survive a little bit and just make it easier. Don't have any enemies on the screen when you first first reappear. Give the player a few seconds to gather up those key things just to get, even if they're half-powered to what they were, you start in the middle of this le- these middle. If you start the middle of these levels underpowered, you are dead in seconds because you just can't. You can navigate around. You can just fly. You move pretty quick. Your main sprite speed of when you initiate the game is pretty fast. Actually, probably a little too fast because you tend to find that you sort of overshoot everything and slam into things all the time. But yeah, just the way it is. The number of sprites on the screen and characters on the screen. And this is a technical tour de force. This is well put together. I mean, I don't know how they have got the volume of things on the screen for this, but it is stunning. Um, and I think you also, of course, with that, as with Salamander and a couple of other things, when you're pushing the machine like that, you get flickering. But here, unlike Salamander, which sort of flickered, and it was more of a slowdown than a flicker in Salamander, I think. Here, it's more detrimental to the game when it does it, because it's more of a judder. Um, and it's actually detrimental to the play. So it feels like it doesn't just flick, it feels like the game momentarily, fractionally just stops micro pauses um and i think that can often lead to death in this it didn't always do it in salamander you didn't it slowed down but you was often not going to necessarily die at that moment if you if it happens in this you get that kind of slow stutter i call it um if it stutters you can very quickly die because you just hit something and it it freezes the control of the game that's a bigger problem than just something slowing down i think Mm -hmm. now that could be a quirk of the version i played because there are different versions again i'll cover that in a minute um so i don't doubt manfred trends is fully flexing his coding muscles i mean in order to get what he's got on the screen here, you have to be at the top level of control of the code in that. This has got to be optimized in ways that I can't imagine to get that volume of stuff moving around. I mean, remember that you've got stars in the background and you've got moving backgrounds and you've got all those sprites and you've got all those characters on there. There's a lot going on. Um, so take that flickering out for a minute. Um, I found that, I don't know if you found this, but sometimes sprites just appeared randomly out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a little yeah. bit, and that's an error in the multiplexer. That's the multiplexer losing its losing itself a little bit, I think. Um, and so... Aside from that, and aside from sort of things appearing, and again, that can unfortunately lead to an untimely demise, um, it does mean that this is less about issues with the code being pushing the machine, as Samanda was. feels these are more like the bugs. These are more like bugs that have been exposed as, as the game's gone on, and that isn't necessarily a good thing. That could be like a playtesting. That could be just that they... I don't know what what quite caused that. I don't know. So there's loads of versions of this game out there. Um, many of them, in fact, most of them are cracked. Um, this game was known to have loading issues, uh, even on the original version, and that's compounded with these weird technical issues when you've got lots of fancy technical stuff going on that's reliant on probably, I would imagine, probably some of the legal op codes for the 6502 that weren't well publicized at the time, and there's probably some real fancy next-level stuff. In fact, if you actually look at the code on this, 
Um, it's just invisible. There's no code. The 60 Vodge knows how to do it. Um, <laughs> I don't know how it works. It's a mystery, not really. So with all those versions out there, it's hard to find. I find it hard to find a, what you would call a definitive version because there's so many. Obviously, this was released by every you know cracking team under the sun. Um, and at the time, even on um, CSDB, there's a whole bunch of versions on there. Some of them are this, some of them are that. I ended mm. up using the G64 version, which I got from um, games that weren't, because there's a downloadable of it on there, which I figured would probably be the best one to play. And it worked. that was the one that worked in the best way, but it still had the, the sort of stuttering problem. And I don't know that uh, that's something that's, I think that's on every version. So it's got weird disc loaders, weird formatting. I got the flicker in. It, oddly, like I said, it jolts, stutters, I guess. Remarkably, I completed this way back in the day. Now, I was, I was, I remain a big fan of this. I actually have a really, I have a fond memory of this because it cost me a competition pro joystick. Because <laughs> not easy to break. It is when you fling it at a wall in anger. And I did that because <laughs> I was, um, obviously I had reflexes at the time, don't so much now, and time on my hands. So uh, this was a game that I'd managed to just, you know, work, bash my way through. Ow, I don't know, but I did. And I don't know that I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm, I'm thinking I may very well have, I must have used a cheat or something. I don't think I've, I can't imagine I managed, even with good reflexes, I don't think I'd have got through 12 levels of that. But I don't know. I can't remember. I do remember smashing my joystick in rage um, because, and that was, I think, because of the flickering and because of the bugs. And I think mm. it killed me at a key moment. And I was like, damn you. And that cost me a competition pro. So I had to buy a new one. <laughs> Does it all detract all that stuff? Does it detract it from being a great shooter? Yes. The problem is here. Yes and no. And this is the great sadness, really. It's different to Salamander and Nemesis, I suppose, in its in in a way. I did like the affordance that it gave you in terms of the power upgrades. That I like that about Salamander as well. Um, and I did like that because I like I like the way that the those that affordance that you got in games like Salamander and stuff like that um, made you feel super powerful right initially. So you, you you had a good you know you had a lot going on, but you felt like you were in a good position. You're thinking, right, I can tackle all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't really get that with Cat Kiss as such. It's not the same. It's good, but it's not quite the same as that. I like the polish and the confident approach to the code. There's some, there's, I mean, there are genuine technical feats of crazy in it, especially with the bosses. I mean, uh, that is multiplexing on a very clever technical scale. And later, of course, um, all of this rolls up into what became Turrican. So on the C64, Turrican is considered one of the greatest coded pieces of game code of all time. And you could sort of see how there's elements of this leading into that. Um, oddly, this was later released as Daenerys, uh, not Daenerys Stormborn, of the uh, you know, but Daenerys, um, but uh, and that was only when enough time had passed with enough significant and it had enough significant graphic changes to avoid the issues of Catechus and after R type, um, and it also had less features than Catechus, so they took a load of stuff out. We're we interested to play when we get to that, which I think is in few few episodes. Yeah, I think time. it's issue forty eight. I think it's yeah, it's, like it's not that far away. It's in the new in the next year's lot. So um, and also this catechist, believe it or not, also earned Trends and Co. the honor, if you can call it that, of creating R type for the C sixty four. So Activision gave them and told them, Well, you we want you to create R type for us because of what you've done with Catechist. It's so good. Make it R type for us, will you? Which they managed to do in six and a half weeks. Well, my final thought on this is it remains a flawed classic on the C sixty four. Um it's great in almost every way, but it's A too similar to clearly just to rip off another game something that is a bit of a trend for trends and the co and maybe maybe this is just a little bit too buggy to be really what you'd call a super classic it got 93 percent in zap i think mm. is it gold medal is it or not just, no, Sizzler, just Sizzler. wasn't Sizzler. it um, and oddly um just as a final footnote in um commodore user um this was reviewed by julian rignall it was um, and Lumpy it got eight ball, out of ten. Eight out of ten you give it 
Um, so there you go. I, I think uh, a flawed classic is the way I'd, I'd leave it with that. So what do you think? I, I put it's a really well-designed and bloody hard shooter. I mean, it's really well-designed because it's the design of our type, so you know what it is. But it's bloody hard. But it looks and sounds great. But, you know, I've noted it's susceptible to various bugs and issues. And that's that's probably the problem with it. I think the main ship is a bit too big. I think it could have been a bit smaller. I think when I went back and played Salamander and the size of the ship was noticeably smaller and it felt better for it. Because uh, because one of the problems I have with this is I'd, I I think there's a flip between this and Salamander. Obviously, they come in quite quick succession. So we've got these two really, you know, art, well, essentially we've got R-Type and Salamander. So let's call it what it is. The collision detection in this feels on the side of the game rather than the player. In Salamander, it felt on the side of the player rather than the game. You could get quite close to enemies and, and the scenery yeah. and stuff like that, and you would be fine. The, the collision detection is quite small on that. And this, it feels like, you know, you breathe past it. There's a game we're playing a little bit sort of thing, which is even worse, but... In this, it feels like you, you breathe near a rock or something like that, and you get blown up, and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And and, and there's the, it's quite tight to get through sometimes. Sometimes you'll you'll get in the wrong position, and you're screwed because you can't. Yes, yes. Because you're not fast enough or small enough to nip into the gaps and get back into where you need to be. Like if you need to get a power up for the next section coming up, and you know you're there, and you miss put yourself in the wrong position through whatever trying to dodge one of those diagonal rocks coming from the top right. Yep. Oh yep. god, they're annoying. You've got yourself in the and now you're not. You're not small enough to nip through, so there's that. So, yeah, so Salamander did that element better. But, you know, on a technical level, this is pretty amazing with the, the amount of stuff going on, you know, and it's got very impressive levels and designs. I mean, it's our type and everything but name in it. So, yeah, I mean, do I like this? I mean, I do. I prefer Salamander, though. I will come out. We're, we're getting these big shoot 'em ups in quick succession here. So, but but that's because I prefer Salamander in the arcade to our type. Mm. So, we've got two, you know, Salamander on the C64 was crap then I'd probably prefer this. But Salamander on the 64 was great, so it's a great version of a, of an arcade that I prefer because I just prefer I prefer that type of blasting. I'm never, I was never a big fan of the R-type beam shooter thing, holding yeah. the fire to power yeah. up the beam. And I think, like you said as well, I like the multiples. When you get the three, three or four multiples and they're all firing a ripple laser and everything and it's all just firing off and you've got this massive wall of shot, that's, to me, is like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's God-tier, you know, shoot em up design. Because mm. I feel ace. And R Type doesn't do that. It's more of a, I think R Type is probably more of a technical. You've got to be better at shooting ups and Salamander where you can get away with just mm. going, <laughs> feel my wrath. But you know, this is what it is. You like what you like, don't you? Not to say I don't like this though. It is a very good C64 blaster. And like we said, we're getting a lot of them. So that's good to see. But you are right. I mean, I tried three versions of this. I had bugs with the bosses. The first version I tried, I could get, when I did get through it, I got to about the third level um, on my play, which wasn't too bad. I did pretty well. That's pretty going. good going, that. Yeah, so I did get through to the third level, and I got to the boss, I think, on the third level, actually. But the first version I tried, the boss couldn't take any damage, and then he just uh, flew through me and off the left of the screen. So I was just stuck at the end, and it couldn't progress. So I had to crash into scenery yeah. to move it. I tried a different version. On that version, I managed to kill the boss once. Then I died on the second level. And then I tried it again. And then the boss wouldn't die and wouldn't take damage. And then floated off again. So I tried a third version. And that's when I could get through to the third level. So I didn't do too bad. So, uh, you know, I did give it a good go. and Because I, I wanted to, like, some, I knew it was buggy. And I know it's reputedly buggy. And I wonder if it's because, I mean, it got released. So that's the thing, isn't it? You always think, well, oh, maybe this didn't get full QA. Well, we're not playing the original version. So I think no. that's part, part, you know, maybe the original version was perfectly fine, and all the cracks that they've applied and all the hacking maybe. of it out, maybe that did it, who knows? Who knows? It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, at this point in time, it is what it is, but I did find a version that I could kill the bosses and got through to the third level. That second level's really good, though, visually. There's a bit 
there's some really cool bits in it where like all the background sort of st- starts to sort of draw in as you're going through the metal tubes and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, on a technical is. level, those visuals are, are really, really good. Um, so on that level, this is, you know, next level stuff really for the C64. Really is. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of case. It's, it's just, it's just a bit too bloody hard. And I just wish you were a bit smaller. If you were smaller, you could dodge a bit and, you know, cause once you get that, once you get the third upgrade to the power thing at the front, it's like having a, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like Homer's car. Yeah, it's like our type, isn't it? Our type always felt like you had a lot, a lot stuck to your ship. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. I mean, you do it in other games. Things like Terra Cresta did it as well, didn't it? You got bigger mm. and bigger and bigger, but it's what it is. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's good. It's a good blaster. I enjoyed my time with it. Anyway, I played it for quite a while. And we'll put the links to the games that weren't. It's got a section on it. Nothing I haven't said in here that's in there, but the, the G64 version that I played is downloadable from there. So if you want to play it. I might, I might it. Go have a, grab that one as well. I can't remember which one I... I was playing it was worth I, doing. I think i got them off csdb i think it's worth it's worth playing especially that particular version but it's good yeah yeah we'll do there we go carcass let's move on to our next one <laughs> i'm not gonna say it i'm not even gonna say it i'm not even gonna say it so i'm just not i'm not saying no. it. let's move on because our next one is a budget atrocity <laughs> which is uh 17 this is mr wino mr wino yeah Right. Uh, this is another budget platformer, courtesy of Silverbird, with the dubiously titled Mr. Wino. Uh, this is a conversion from the Spectrum original, because, of course, that's where they originated. All these games originate on the Spectrum, all of them. This is just, you know, I'm fed up with these bloody games just coming from the Spectrum and whatever. It was developed by Probe Software, and it was ported by Michael Ager, Ager, Ager with music by Mr. 30 Second Loop, David Whittaker. The plot, such as it is, sees Mr. Wino trapped in a nightmare, which you have to guide him from. To do this, you must collect all the bottles of wine on each screen. Some of these bottles open doors, but these just lead to more trouble. The back of the box simply has this to say, though. Wacky Wino is on the evil drink again and having a few problems. That's it. That's all it says. This is like that same it's that same bit yeah. of text we read about from that football freaks get a freak out or whatever on that one last week with the five-a-side European soccer. It's the same <laughs> thing. They just have this little sort of thing in the corner which just says these weird things. But yeah, you know, let's all laugh at alcoholism and those wacky alcoholics. Hey, that's yeah, funny, we don't isn't it? do that. That's funny. Alcoholism's dead funny, that is. Sure, they're the best characters to star in a wacky flick-screen platformer. Anyway, when the game loads, I'll say one thing. It is clear that they have not just dumped the Spectrum code over. <laughs> so, yes. you know... Fair play. This is. It does look like a C64 game. It's got some raster effects in the text and a full width scrolling message across the bottom, going in both left and right borders. They know it's at least good to see that they've just. They've, we see this so often. It's like it's just the Spectrum code. It's just that. Yeah, just they've definitely on a, not done that. They've not done that. So from this title screen, we can read some instructions, which tell us to collect bottles and avoid the weird array of enemies. We can look at high scores or just play the game. Uh, the game itself is just as you would expect it to be. Each screen has a number of bottles to collect, and you must navigate your way, way around them by climbing ladders, running across conveyor belts, and jumping over gaps in order to collect the bottles scattered about. Various enemies roam around on patrol routes and must be avoided, else Mr. Wino will lose one of his three lives and should all be lost, then it is game over. Um, the UI at the top of the screen shows your remaining lives, your score and a bar to represent your remaining air, which is slowly depleting. Should this run out, then it is instant game over, no matter how many lives you have left. Mm. Now, I'm not sure why you have an air mechanic. No, I don't. I'm guessing it was because there was one on each screen in Manic Miner, but mm. there it made thematic sense. You were a miner underground, so you only had a limited air supply. That works. Mm. I can understand that. Yeah, each room you have a limited air supply. That works. Here, you're in a nightmare. So why would you have an air meter? 
Why? Why is there a bar that's constantly going down? It just makes no sense, other than to get you moving along, I guess. The problem is, is that after getting four screens in, I still hadn't found any way to get the air back up, so I just died because I ran out of air. Yep. It was like, what is this? this? I don't know. It's just rubbish. There are other issues as well. Death puts you back to the last screen instead of at the entrance to the present one. So you go back to wherever you end just before you entered the next one. That's that's annoying. If it does that from screen four to three, then you're right underneath a door coming down and instantly be killed again. Yep. <laughs> that's like, oh, great. If you enter screen three on the bottom, there's an enemy that, there that will kill you, in, kill you instantly. It sure um, does. So this is all very, very frustrating. You've only got three lives to play with. There's no continues, no extra lives to be found. So, you know, this is a game of trial, utterly trial and error of like figuring out where to go when it's boring. Um, and the frustration factor starts to creep in and the plodding platforming does nothing to keep your interest. As a game, this is very boring. The turning animation on your character is too slow. So trying to dodge the falling bottles on screen two becomes far more tricky than it needs to be. Um, the chunkiness of everything means you feel hemmed in all the time. There's no, you don't feel like there's any space to move. The instant deaths from being transported to the previous screen are unforgivable and the air meter makes no sense. It's dull and it's boring. And that's where we get to the dubious main character and what the game has you collecting. We don't generally preach or anything like that on this on the podcast or anything, but alcoholism is just it's not a fun thing to be laughed at or made a game of. It's just not. There's no, no reason for it. This could be anything. Yeah, you know, it could be Mr. Blobby, Mr. Booby, Mr. Anything, Mr. Dodgy. Yep. And you're just collecting you could be collecting anything. Why they felt the need to make it a you know, a wino? Because it's I don't know. It could have the main sprite has also got a big red nose. Because of course you would have, you know, because that's isn't it funny? They've got rhinos with the big yeah. red noses. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just unpleasant. We see games like this, we've got that chubby gristle, mermaid madness. There's a real tendency in the eighties to sort of mock, you know, mental health afflictions and things like that and just have a laugh about them. And and it's just unpleasant. I don't think they just don't work these days. So there's no reason for this to have a theme in it as. So I found this another in the long line of games that have leave an unpleasant taste in the mouth, and that's about it, really. I don't have the same money about it. It's just a crap single-screen platformer with dodgy theming, um, and 17% was generous as far as I'm concerned, but there you go. What did you think? Mr. Wino closely followed this up, didn't they, with Mr. Junkie. Mr. Meth <laughs> was popular. Yeah, absolutely, Mr. Crack Addict. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Cocaine was uh, was a winner. Um, no, unpleasant premise for anything, isn't it? Let's mock addiction. No, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Um, these are real-world problems for real-world people, and why now is it such a derogatory term for somebody that's suffering from alcoholism as well? Yeah. Just, now, from the, from the get-go, you're on a bit of a back foot here. The idea of this, you know, you can tell it's a, it, even though it's this is a C64 game and not a Spectrum port in the sense that it looks like a C64 game. They've coded on a C64 to create it. This is just a throwback to the kind of game that was been done and dusted yonks ago. Mm. Um, so the Manic Miner style, you know, the, you know, we've seen a few of them just recently actually pop up the woodwork, and none of them are very good, and they're all basically the same. So, I mean, the, the, there are limited good things about this. The music in it wasn't bad, apart from that annoying 10 green bottles every time you picked up a bottle. Oh, yeah, do, 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 I was like, I'm going to smash this control. <laughs> yeah. The in-game sounds, they say, weird. I thought the graphics weren't bad in the sense that they weren't spectrum. I was expecting spectrum graphics. So I'd, when I didn't see that, I was, you know, likely impressed. Um, yeah. Because they, they sort of, they were the right size. There was, you know, the movement was pretty fast. There was nice, quite nice sort of rotation animation, albeit that it's on, you know, Mr. Wino himself. But it, it, those parts, it actually looked quite nice. Just a pity that everything else around it is not very good. Like you say, I managed the first screen, died in almost instantly, repeatedly fast on the second, and then also any game where you can drop dead from lack of air for no reason. Nah, 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 nah. It looked, if they'd have just thought about it, if they'd have just 
sat and thought, hang on a minute, we've gone to all this effort of making this code and everything else. If they hadn't have based it on, you know, a game around alcoholism, made it something like Mr. Bobby, it could even, it wouldn't have taken much to make it Mr. Bobby, would it? I mean, give him, change him to a pink colour and give him yeah, dots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'd yeah. have Mr. Blobby the game. Yeah. And you could have added some, a bit more fun into this. A few puzzles on those screens, so pushing blocks or pushing things to land on other things. And you might have had something that was perhaps a lot better than what you get. Sadly, they didn't see beyond, beyond the end of what they were copying from the Spectrum in terms of its game design, which was clearly flawed in the beginning. So, yeah. Um, it got a real pummeling in Zap. Can't say I blame them, really. Um, unpleasant no. all round and very boring at the end of the day. Crappy nastiness. Let's move along. Say no more about that. Anyway, our next one. This is... Um, <laughs> well, this is a tough one. This is... Over to you, Graham. Um, tell us all about how your arm feels after playing Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge. <laughs> the strain! Ah, uh, the strain. <laughs> Goodness me, this was a bloody workout. Um, so Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge is from Ocean. It was coded by Robert Palmer and David Collier. Graphics were by John Palmer. Um, musician was Jonathan Dunn. Um, and this is obviously based around Daily Thompson doing the decathlon. Um, Daily mm-hmm. Thompson, for those that don't know, was a very famous um, Great Britain athlete. Um, mm-hmm. Olympic gold winner, I believe, um, and in the decathlon, um, and was quite the celebrity as well. And really, genuinely, you know, he was on TV a lot. He was quite a big figure in terms of getting children into sport. He was just, he, you know, he played the part of the celebrity Olympiad very well. And he was genuinely seemed like a very cool guy. Yeah. Evidently, you know, at that time when they were looking for games about these kind of guys, you know, these decathletes are formidable. I, I do nothing but stand in absolute um, astonishment at how good that you have to be to be able to compete in the things they do at that level. I mean, yeah. I think you said it in the last episode. I think Daley Thompson could do a, a basically a 10, 10 second. He was a sub eleven second. Yeah, I think he was. I think he represented us in the hundred meters as well at one point. Well, I'm not sure because you get a flash of a load of. Um, stats when you first start the game okay and i think those stats are daily thompson stats so the 100 meters is down for 10 minutes uh, 10 minutes 10 seconds uh, 10.27 seconds days. yeah same <laughs> 10.27 seconds a long jumper over seven meters shot put 16 yeah. meters incredible it's pretty incredible stuff um so do you know um what can you say amazing athlete and this is another game based upon his exploits this one takes an unusual twist with it really mm. um for reasons that I'm not sure why, this came with a whole bunch of stuff. What a gaggle of gimmicks! Yeah, well, it came with a it came with a soundtrack on cassette, wow. which was called the Challenge. You could, uh, we'll put the YouTube link to the Challenge soundtrack, which is the same. You know, when you play load up the game and you get that kind of. Now I've called it dreary, and it, it didn't shout fun Olympic game to me. It's kind of it does sort of pick up a bit, but like the initial sort of few notes of the music are a bit a bit downbeat. <laughs> Um, and it's that. It's another version of that, but obviously okay. a professionally produced one. It also came with a giant wall chart. Yes. Um, which is full of Daily Thompson facts and figures. It tells you all about decathlons and all sorts of stuff. And I'm guessing you can you know fill in some of the blanks or follow along. I don't know how tied in this is to um, the Olympics uh, when that was taking place. Was Because we talked about the Seoul Olympics, didn't we? So, so it must all be linked. But he would have been in coming to be in the Summer Olympics, wouldn't he? Well, he'd just been. They'd yeah. just been. So, so he'd have been in it. And I don't know how well he did, but he would have done pretty good, I imagine. I remember it being all over the TV. Um, mm. This game is obviously brought to you by our friends at LucasAid and Adidas, that's for sure. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's Daily Thompson heavily sponsored by those, which is quite interesting as well. So the game is essentially a multi-event game. Now, the events might be multi, 
but the control system bloody well isn't. Um, because generally speaking, everything in this game will involve you waggling and occasionally pressing the fire button, but mostly w- waggling. And I can tell you, when I say waggling the joystick, I mean f***ing waggling. <laughs> you're like, pummeling, waggling. You're pummeling the you're, shit I mean, out it's, of this it's, thing. It's, it's really, really difficult. You start the game, so you, the game starts, you get... Um, you know, your dreary music, as I, I think it is. But you get the start, and then you can, when you start the initial game, it's a multi-load game, you'll get the uh, the dumbbell curls that you have to do. So it starts with, you know, training him in, in the ways of the Olympiad. So there's three things you need to do. You'll start off with doing dumbbell curls, where you've got to waggle the joystick like a maniac for him to <laughs> gradually fill up bottles of Aid, I think, which and when you fill the bottle, you move to the next event. So, and you can, you actually can store these Aid bottles up. Um, it's all to a timer, so you've got to do this in a fixed amount of time. So um, obviously you can either, if you don't quite get there, then you're not going to get the Lucozade bottle for that particular thing and you go to the next one. But there's three. There's mm. uh, dumbbell curls, sit-ups, leg extensions. All of them involve you waggling like crazy. There's a depiction of the thing you are doing in front of you. Pretty good graphics all through the game, actually, and incredibly good when you get to some of the events. Graphics are of a high standard. It looks like um, Daily Thompson. This is no um, St- Jeff Cape Strongman here. <laughs> Yeah, these look like, look, and they're good graphics yeah, and quite well animated. He does have a yeah. bit of a, like, like, I think we discussed it prior to the podcast. He, he has a bit of a fierce stare. So you do feel like he's sort of looking into your soul a bit when you're <laughs> a bit nervous. It's a bit, I tell you, the look it, the look it gives you, and this is no disrespect to Daily Thompson, but if you ever watched a dog having a poo, they give you that look. It's like, <laughs> like that kind of don't look at me kind of look. It's like that. And I'm not saying he's a pooing dog. I'm just saying that's the, the, the look is the same. <laughs> So anyway, so you do your dumbbell curls, you get a bucket of LucasAid if you do them all. Then you sit up, same thing, waggle, waggle, waggle. And there's a waggle meter at the top of the, like a, a bar that goes up. And I always and think I, he starts way too late. Start moving before yeah, the early on the waggle. That, that, that bar needs to be three quarters of the way up for a consistent period for you to be able to achieve the 20 or 25 reps, I think it is for dumbbell curls, 20 <sighs> sit-ups and the leg extension. I can tell you by the end of those three things, you are done. I don't yeah. care how fit you are, unless you are Gary Brown Sauce Wilson, <laughs> chronic fapper, you are not going to have the dexterity. Now, I train out, I he train says that a on lot. His CV. It, it's, it's, that's, it's his headline. Uh, I, um, I work out a lot. I train, I'll train to do a lot of training, a lot of personal training, and all of that. And I, even I was knackered by the end of doing those three events by yeah. waggling. Because, you know, and also, not just because of the of the waggling that's needed to, I felt I feared for that joystick that I have. I've got one of those Commodore Commodore Maxi joysticks, which, which one, it's a micro switch joystick, which is fine, but two, so loud, so loud. <laughs> the clicking was driving me insane. So short control burst for that. Anyway, I waggled my way through and got what I could get. And then you actually get to the next section where you sort of pick the events. Now you can, on certain events, choose different trainers as well to suit the event. And that does have a bearing on how much waggling, but you don't have any information about any of that. No, there's no clues to what trainers are what. No, it's just row up. There's like a long column on the left of trainers and tiny graphic icons of trainers with no indication what they're for, what they do, nothing. So it's a bit arbitrary that really um, me thinks it's a sponsorship section yeah um so if you've happened upon the right pair of trainers it will marginally and i mean marginally affect your ability to waggle and waggle you will because uh, then you'll go through the events obviously 100 meters long long jump shot put high jump 400 meters 110 meter hurdles discus pole vault javelin all the and the 1500 meters all of those exciting things all part of it the decathlon you're going to do a decathlon and you're going to bloody well feel like you have um and so obviously mm. the idea here is working your way through and you need to try and um you need to be able to be in for the medals you need to be able to compete in this and score in the timeline and get the decent scores and to do that you got to waggle and waggle and waggle and waggle and waggle and, waggle and then your little 
power bar thing goes up, and which was waggle. And I can tell you, you have to waggle like crazy to keep it up there. And also, um, on certain ones that require you to jump or thing, there's like a little bar that goes into the red, and you've got to get that timing on that right as well. Do all of that, and you're going to you know fly, my pretty fly, on the on the events that the high jumps and run and run. Fifteen hundred meters was a living hell. I can tell you that now. The graphics in the game, all the graphics in the game are really good. The main sprite is a bit squat for a decathlete. David Thompson's quite tall. But that said, it actually looks quite good. Generally, the graphics are quite good. Mm. The, the sort of stadium's quite good. They do little Mexican waves in the oh, background. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, them. the animations in the back are really good. Yeah, the, the, the actual production of the game, the game sprites, the game graphics, there's no fault there. And even the in-game sounds are all good. That It's got nice production value to this. The problem is that waggling. Because you've made a really great, interesting looking sports game around one of our, you know, at the time, one of our key sportsmen, mm. um, amazing uh, decathlete, as I've said, Olympic gold medal winner, well, probably world champion. I don't know what the accolades were plentiful and he worked his through a whole ton of Lucasaid, I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> so he was, you know, he was, you know, at the top of his game at this point. And then you, what you do is you were to attach that to a really silly control system. And I get it because, you know, well, all these games have been about waggling, haven't they? And in actuality, if you took a moment to play any of the really good ones, any of the Epics ones, not the you know the recent ones, any of the Summer Games, Summer Games 2, play those. They are not about power waggling. No, they're, in fact, no. they're quite the opposite. They're about just timing and, and execution. That is important because I could not make my way through this game properly without it. Just I couldn't do it. And I felt really disappointed that I couldn't really experience what I wanted to experience. You can choose the different events and things like that and choose the trainers at random or okay maybe it makes a difference i didn't really encounter that but you, what you've got have is here is a game with loads and loads of pretty things to look at but no affordance given to the player in any capacity whatsoever so it renders it basically impossible and because of that it renders it unenjoyable you're not going to enjoy this mm. all the graphics like i said really polished nice multi-res sprites the way they've done the sprites to cover how mix a high res and medium res it really works well that well, it's something that Ocean do quite a bit, but it looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But this is just, this is a joystick destroyer deluxe. If you had a quick shot too, it wouldn't have stood a chance. It would be dead. Shortly before your arm went numb and you sort of thought you might be on a heart attack, you, it would be dead. <laughs> yeah. It's just exhausting, this game. Even picking up the Adidas trainers and, and with the LucasAid boots, um, it doesn't help you really. What you end up with is a very nice looking version of classic track and field, but with that horrible control system that ruins it. It loads pretty nippy as well. It's a bit, there's a little bit, a little bit of slowness, but it wasn't. It was it was bearable. But it's just impossible to enjoy a game that is this frenetic on on the controls. It's too kinetic. It requires too much of you to do, and it's a bit of an out of date format for these sort of games. Go and play the other games that already exist in this kind of realm. See what they do and do that. Don't just assume that. A game like this needs to be waggle waggleathon because it ruined this. It ruined what should be a great game was ruined by that. So um, it got a reasonable score, didn't it? In Zap, I think. Yeah, it got seventy nine percent. Seventy nine percent. Okay, I give it that because of all the production stuff. But to get through this game, even in multiplayer, all of you are going to have really massive forearms, and people are going to ask questions, and you better <laughs> have good answers. And they might not believe that when you say you was waggling on joystick to please an Olympiad. They may not <laughs> think that that's true. Just saying. No, just saying. No, they may what not. What do you think? Um, well, I mean, just to comment on the Zap, I mean, someone put in their review in, in, in the comment, I can't remember which one of the reviews said it, it said at one point they had a four-person round robin going just to keep up the waggle. It'll be the 1,500 metres because it's, it's just... It's just- it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, I thought the one in the Activ- Activision decathlon was quite hard, but the, you know, this is ridiculous. Do you know this is the actual? Th- this is the third Daily Thompson game. I didn't know that. I knew there was two. 
Yeah, there was this one. Obviously, there was Daily Thompson's Decathlon, which we looked at in episode zero. But there was also one in, and this is weird, there was also one called Daily Thompson's Super Test. And it's weird because that came out in November 1985. Weird. Yeah, but it was never, it didn't look at like it was ever reviewed in Zap. But there is a budget re-release in issue 64, according to Lemon oh, 64. Come across so it, we'll guess we'll look at it then. But anyway, that's uh, Daily Thompson's Super Test. This is Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge. Um, I'll put, yeah, I'll put it simply. It's just too bloody hard. It's just too yep. bloody waggly hard. The waggle needed for this is ridiculous. And, 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 uh, and you know, it doesn't even look like there are long plays of this on YouTube that tells no. you all you need to know. Nobody, I couldn't find a long play. I could find one version of this and they couldn't finish any of the first 100 meters. I was like, yeah. that's it. Nobody's done a long play of this. And, and that to me is always a good indicator of like, this is too ridiculous. So on my first attempt, I couldn't get past the 100 meters. I only had two bottles of LucasAid. I picked the wrong trainers, yep. you had no chance. Then it told you, it tells you, oh, these are the right trainers. So your second attempt, all right, I'll give it another go. Still couldn't get it. I couldn't get a sub 14, 14 seconds. Then it just kept going, no, so difficult. you failed. So I wanted to see the other things. So the one we had had a trainer on it, but the trainer wasn't particularly very good. It just basically said you can have loads of um, Lucasade, but you still have to do the first one. So I, I, when I actually did it, I, I got all the Lucasades this time. And I did actually manage to make it back a 10 second, 100 meters. I did For some reason, I was super fast at that point. And then I got through it and I got to the long jump. The long jump, I don't know if you tried it, the run-up's so short. <laughs> and yeah, then, it's, and it was weirdly short. The run-up is just like about five steps, and then you're at the board. And then the, yep. the uh, angle goes up so fast that just tapping the fire button <laughs> just seems to make you go, Bring! I was like, yep. it's dreadful. What the? Why is this ruined? Because as you said, production around this is excellent. The, the graphics are really good. The sounds are really nice. It all looks great. There's great background stuff, but the control system just kills it. It's one for masochists only, this. Um, you got to really hate your right arm or left arm, whichever one you use, I suppose. Um, yeah, such a shame. I was looking forward to this, but crazy hard. Crazy hard. Not much else to say about it, really. My arm was aching for ages afterwards. Yeah, it's, it was unpleasant, break. Yeah. yeah. Uh, worst waggler I've played um, in regards to how much you had to waggle. Worse than combat school, and that was pretty bad. And the clicking. Oh, oh, the clicking! Oh, the clicking! The clicking, clicking, clicking for you, I imagine. Oh, I mean, I've got. If I if I give you an idea, listen to this. This this is the regular click on this joystick. <laughs> if it's waggling, it's this. Oh no, that's what. That's yeah. too too much. Yeah. That's like I'd be I'd be worried about every an episode of The Last of Us and for half an hour. <laughs> oh, I'm your surprised your wife didn't come in and kill you. Yeah, she was wondering what the noise was, and it was very <laughs> difficult to explain. Because if you, you know, if you look at someone doing that and you don't see what they're actually holding in their hand, and it, and, and t- the technique I'd adopted at this point was to dig it into my thigh. Oh as yeah, well. I so always do that. Yeah, it looked like I was having a massive, massive Tom Hank. <laughs> watery eyed Tom Hank. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was full. It looked like I was going full bull nostrils. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Took some explaining. Anyway, let's move on. We've got one more game still to go. Let's get into that one. And that one is, well, to give it its full title, this is Odysseus, Odysseus, Trojan Warrior. Ba, ba, ba. Uh, yeah, so you are Odysseus, the Trojan Warrior, and you have taken your winged horse, Pegasus, on a journey through time, time and, and space. space, space, space in order to defeat the forces of darkness, which are, in this case, an evil sorcerer. Uh, This sorcerer, jealous of a princess in a neighbouring kingdom, and the fact that she is using her powers for good, uh, sneaks into her palace as a wandering minstrel, kidnaps her, and forces her to use her powers for evil. What a a bastard. Deviation from the the actual story a little, but there you go. There you go. Arriving on the scene, you take the role of a mysterious horseman riding a winged horse. 
Well, no, you're, you're Odysseus on the Pegasus. Yeah, I think people would know. <laughs> Odysseus up there. Don't know. He's on a winged horse. That's him. It's definitely it's probably, him. It's, probably, it's a bit of a giveaway. And you must navigate the five levels of side-scrolling action in order to put a stop to the wizard's nefarious schemes and save the princess in the process. Um, this is from Silverboard, Silverbird. Sorry. And was coded by Fuzz and the Highlanders. Um, although I did Good name find, for a band. Yeah, yeah. I, I did find a site though that listed the coder as Andrew Graham. Um, he would go on to do professional ski simulator for Codemasters. Okay. One, to, one to look forward to, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, it's got music by Steve Barrett, uh, which is actually particularly nice. Um, and I don't know if you listened to that link I put in. Someone called Doctor Future has done a full-on remaster of this on YouTube. That tune, yeah, it's good. It's very good. Uh, we've got to have to link to that because it's really, really good, isn't it? It's really worth it a listen. Very, very good. Excellent stuff. So, whoever Doctor Future is, well done. That's a really good version. Anyway, upon loading, we get a bit of cinematic presentation as the name Odysseus appears letter by letter on the screen, and then the music starts, which is you know nice start, nice cinematic start. There, there's no options at all, so we just get straight into the game. Um, and this is not what I was expecting in the slightest, I have to say. We're greeted with a left-to-right snowy scrolling level. It's like, wait, what, eh? Random. Um, and our rather large and well-animated hero riding his horse, his flying horse above it. Like, okay, this isn't what I was expecting. Controls are standard eight-way movement, fire to shoot. Uh, you've got the UI at the bottom, which, again, I don't think really fits the theme of the game. It looks all metallic and futuristic. It's, it's odd. It's an odd mm. mix, this game. Um, yes, isn't it? The UI contains your score, your number of lives, and there are four bars with icons at the end of them, and I'll come back to what they are in a moment. So, essentially, this is a Salamander-style shooter, you know, but it does have some new mechanics up its sleeve in the way you get your power-ups. So, as you progress through the level, enemies come at you in waves, and as you shoot them, depending on the enemy, each one you kill fills up one of the four bars in the UI at the bottom. So, in the first level, different different enemies fill up the top left bar, which is speed up, and the bottom left bar, which is multiples. Okay, should you fill the bar, the corresponding power-up will then appear in the level for you to collect. So, like a pod appears, and you can grab it. It'll say one, two, three, or four on it, corresponding to the power-up. One is speed up, two is multiples. I get to three or four in a minute. So. Once you collect that, all of the icons at the end of the bars, they start as black. But collecting one changes its color. So um, speed ups have uh, sort of three levels or four levels, I guess, base level sort of thing, black. But it goes from black to yellow. Shoot another load of them. You fill it up. You get another one. You go to um, uh, you go to red. Um, and then, sorry, it goes from black to red to yellow to white, where it's maxed out. So you've got four, you know, four levels of speed up. Multiples go from black to yellow to white because you can only have two two multiples in this so you know unlike three in salamander you get two in this but they do the same thing they track you around the little sort of glowy stars and they track you around they shoot whatever you're shooting so that's quite handy uh if you make it to the second level then enemies will start to fill up the top right bar and the bottom right bar as well and this is where it gets really weird the top right bar enables a bouncing grinning green ball like a frog beneath you which kills stuff on the ground just bouncing around and shooting stuff and anything you fly into it's kind of weird it just stays level with you so it moves around underneath you bouncing up and down really odd i've no idea what the hell that is and if you uh, get the uh, the last one, so the bottom right one, you fill that up, it gives you uh, lasers. There's only one level of that, but it gives you full-on laser, laser power. So if you've got two multiples, decent speed up, the green bouncing ball beneath you, and lasers, you, you're quite a wall of death for anything oncoming, which is pretty good. For a budget shooter, it's not too bad. So it's an interesting power-up mechanic, good music, decent graphics. The, you know, the backgrounds, they're snowy and they're weird, but they're actually quite well-drawn. They're, they're decent enough. Everything's quite good. So what could go wrong? This is all pretty good. What what score did it got? It got 74%, but surely maybe we would be on for a sizzler here because this is actually pretty good for a budget blaster. However, 
When you complete a level, you have to fly down a left to right scrolling tube. It's quite narrow, it moves quite fast, and it has dead ends. Should you clip the scenery, even just the tip of your wing, which can animate upwards at the worst possible time, then you die. You don't lose a life, but you're sent back to do the previous level all over again. And I, I, I don't know what they were thinking with that. I just don't know. The levels get quite hard as you progress. I made, I made it quite far, but I had to redo levels far more often than I actually wanted to. And that's a real, real ball ache in this. It's, like I said, it's already very hard in the later levels. So just, you know, so there's plenty of challenge here. Even when you get all the power-ups and everything, you still got to die because it's hard there's loads of enemies and there's loads of stuff coming at you but completing the level it feels should feel like a yeah thank god i've got through that but having to do a really fast sort of scrolly sort of maze thing you know thingy and then clip at any point just clip it and it just just mean like the hoof of the horse just clips it or anything like that it goes blow up and then you're back to the start of that previous level you've got to go through everything again and you're like ah really i mean it it just turns what could have been a great budget blaster it just stops it just stops it in its track it's really annoying there are some other issues as well there's some flickering bullets so there's a lot going on there's quite a lot moving on screen so there's multiple you know there's some flickering of bullets and sometimes they disappear there's a couple of wizards that appear right near the beginning that you can't get down to shoot so you just have to avoid them i don't know what they're there for they don't really offer any hazard or anything it's just what's the point of them bit, yeah, bit odd really because yeah. you don't you can't get down in the flow of to the ground it's just annoying but uh what else is a suit can can't shoot annoying and losing all your power-ups on death so that's that's annoying as well it's another one of those and you don't you, you have to then build them all you keep what any progress you've made in the bar but you lose anything all of them all the way down to zero but you know you can get past this it's but you know and clipping the tunnel wall and having to do everything all over again is just unforgivable as far as i'm concerned i thought everything was here to be a real budget blaster a really good budget this is way, way better than i was expecting and then that bit in the tunnel just kept happening i was like oh for god's sake the blasting's fast you can move quite fast the power-ups the way you get them is interesting i liked all that the music's good but the repetitive nature just made me turn away from it quicker than i wanted to i made it to the second level once um and i was fully powered up it was really reminiscent of salamander in the blasting the way that every you know they had this wall of fire and stuff going at you and it was nice like this one this bitch you fly over volcanoes that are spewing rocks out and you have to blast them and get past that there's loads of interesting sort of enemies and stuff and weird sort of things going on and i did quite enjoy it but in the tunnels it's the opposite there's like in this you can fly past this scenery so there's no clipping of the scenery everything's cool you don't you fly through it and everything and that's all nice but it's just why did they do that in the tunnels you think you threw and the, the animation I have so many times the animation of the wing which going up and sort of went up a bit higher than where i was at the time clipped it and then i was dead and it's like oh just the wing are you sh- kidding me uh it's so frustrating and so unnecessary uh the later levels I, I just watched the youtube check them out are really bloody hard so there's no need for this mechanic to be included if you don't make it through the tunnel you don't get a bonus but you carry on that's all it needed to do i think there's plenty yeah. you know it could reward the player with score. Don't punish them by making them have to do the previous level again. Simple as that. Give them, you know, give them an extra power up or something. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. If you, it's just annoying. Don't make the player repeat what they've just done. It's such a shame. I was enjoying this. I was really enjoying it until I had to do the first level about for the fourth time because I clipped to my hoof or the clipped to wing or whatever. Just no. I just such a shame. It was. Oh, there's enough game here. Light Force has four levels. No one cared that there's only four levels. They're not that hard. This has five levels and they're bloody hard, so it's going to be hard to get through it. It's two quid. Such a shame. I really like this, but then they did that and then I didn't like it. So I don't know what else to say about it, really. What did you think? It was a, a shooty horse game. We've we had a shooty horse game. I don't think we have. I don't know. Is Joust technically a shooty horse game? Is no, because you're shooting? an ostrich. Well, it's definitely not a shooty horse <laughs> game, no. 
And there was Eggy, there was Eggy Joust, remember? Eggy Joust, yeah. It's a shooty, shooty horse game. Nice derivation of the old shoot 'em up this, because we're inundated with them all now, aren't we? Everyone's having a go. Everyone. Um, less horse-related, well, flying horse-related ones, though. But that's always interesting. Very nicely animated Pegasus, wasn't it? Very elaborately animated. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Say. Possibly a little bit too big, actually, that. Yeah, it is, because then it makes the tunnels too bloody hard. And they've borrowed the animation from that from Clash of the Titans as well. They've just obviously taken it off the screen and drawn around it on tracing paper. But we'll let that go. Plays in a sort of shooty way. All good. Up until you get to those tunnels. And then it's just ruined. So everything was up to that point good. But the tunnel sections are such a pain that it almost reverse engineers itself. And you're like, oh. (laughs) Too challenging because of that. But it is for two pounds, it's passable. You're going to enjoy the shooty bits. You might persevere with it. I don't know. But for two pounds, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I quite like the opening titles. They're all suitable, nice colours, graphics are all good, reasonable. The UI, okay. Everything's all okay, but the tunnels, not they're not okay. They ruin it. What a shame. It's another game ruined by something stupid. So I enjoyed what I played, but I did not enjoy the tunnel sections. Trying to navigate a flying horse through a tunnel. Who knew that would be difficult? <laughs> Especially when there's a dead end at one of those midway point when it's like you get the bit in the middle, you can go up or down and be below it. And you go up, don't go up. Never go up. Is that it for this bit? If you get yep. to that bit, don't go up because it's a dead end. Well, it just occurred to me that, you know, it's meant to be this super powerful sort of flying magical horse. It just seems, you know, I don't know. Look at my horse. My horse is amazing. <laughs> no, it's not It's not amazing. It's not amazing. Anyway, no, good good game up to that point. But other than that, no, tragic warrior. Anyway, there you go. That's it. That's your games for this first half. We're going to go take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we'll be looking at lots of music from October 1988. So, uh, you know, keep on listening. We'll be back in a bit. The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of Feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. And we're back, and we've got music, both singles and albums, because this is only a two. Mm. There's only 17 games this month, so we've got to fit it all in to two episodes. Um, so let's get going. We've got loads of albums and singles to get through. First off, our number one singles for October 1988 for one week. The first week is "Desire" by U2. I don't desire, desire that song. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> Awful droning cacophony. Yeah, I don't like uh, this song. That's what I imagine falling into a black hole sounds like. <laughs> not fan then. No, I don't. I, I like you too, but not that. Not on some you too, but not that one. No, I don't like this. 
So it's got a bloody harmonica as well, hasn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> No, no. Replacing that for the next two weeks is One Moment in Time by Whitney Houston. Yeah. Do you know, Whitney Houston had one of the biggest lung capacities by volume. Um, the normal average person has an average lung capacity of six litres. Whitney Houston was nearer 14. Is that true? What is truth? <laughs> um. 14 litres, that's loads. <laughs> it meant special precautions were needed if she intended to blow candles out on a birthday cake. <laughs> I can imagine. And if her and Tony Hadley are not allowed to be in the same space. (laughs) Same state, same country. No. Uh, Do you think they've got like Whitney's law? Well, not anymore, I suppose. (laughs) No, well, they did used to have, yeah. Um, Replacing that, finally, for the last two weeks is... It's Orinoco Flow by Enya. Oh, I don't like... Enya. No. I don't like it. The lyrics for this, we I, 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 you almost have to say them in stupid Orinoco <laughs> flow language. <laughs> yeah, we can steer, we can near. We can steer, we can near with Rob Dickens at the wheel. We can Who's sigh, say goodbye. I don't know. Ross and his dependency. We can sail, we can... Shut up. Shut up, <laughs> Enya, you droning wasp. <laughs> uh, who knows what this is on about, but, you know... Made a career of it, didn't she? Yes, uh, very singing old. basically nothing understandable, which is fine. You know, you can do that if you want. Not bad going, really, if you can make a you know a living out of that. Apparently, she was a very, very accomplished music producer. Just as an aside, and principally did all the vocal mixing, synth, electronic instrument recording, and production for all of her albums. So she's a bit of a solo player in that respect, I think. But yeah, that's good. But um, I only like to end your songs. Boudica, I guess, is how you say it nowadays. And um, Bodicea in old language when we were at yeah. school, and Exile. And as you've actually rightly pointed out, both of them are just you know. Clan ads. Knock off really. Clan ad. But yeah, yeah she to totally, him. utterly is, totally. She is totally that. Yeah. And I, listened, I listened to the pair that you linked to there and I was like, it just sounds like Clan well, I like them for the films they're in. Bodicea, Boudica is in the film Sleepwalkers, which is a crap um, Stephen King adaptation. Oh, is it really? Is it in that? Yeah, for, no, for reasons that can't be explained, yeah. The one with the cats and the terrible CG. Yeah, vampire, v- vampire, vampires, yeah, potentially. Rubbish it is. Oh, awful. And Exile is from um, L.A. Story, which is the bit at the end when all the magic happens in the L.A. Story. Oh, yes. That's good, that bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good. Not on account of a stupid drone in there, but those are good songs to put in those moments. Is that where the traffic signal starts talking to him? Yeah. Yeah, it's good, that bit. All right, number one albums for the first week, New Jersey by Bon Jovi. Right. Yeah, we spoke about this, didn't we? We did. Cracking we album, did. yeah. Good, good album, stuff. yeah, yeah. Replacing that for one week was Flying Colours by Christa Berg. Christy Berger's back. Crispy Berger. He's back. He's back. With his ninth. Ninth. Nine. They won't stop him. Someone should have said nine. Can't nine. Nine, Chris. No. Crispy no. Berger. Get out of here. Get out of yeah. here, Crispy. Yeah. Replacing Mr. Crispy for one week was Rattle and Hum by U2. Yeah, it's the live one, isn't it? Massively. Is it the film as well? Yeah. Yes, it was. There was. This is when they were sort of, they were, this is the crossover album in it to going into, you know, a much bigger deal than what they were with the Joshua Tree and stuff, where they sort of, they started to sort of disappear at their own ass. Well, I, I was going to say, he'd successfully figured out how to anally insert his own head. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. and from that moment forth, you know, they, they had Phil Genou in to direct this as well, which is, I forgot that he did that on a big list of stuff. Yeah. I look, I'd look, he didn't really do much in the way of films, films you do. I mean, obviously he did uh, the, uh, you know, Mr. Brown Sauce's favourites, Three O'Clock High and State of Grace. He did, yeah. Uh, which are very good films, but he did loads of uh, uh, videos for uh, U2, but he also did Keep the Faith by Bon Jovi. Hey, Keep the Faith. Hey, yeah, he did. He did that. Still kicking all that off uh, for the last two weeks of the month was Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Mm, it's a greatest hits album. 
I, I, I did wonder, because I was thinking, hang on a minute, Money for Nothing is ages old. Yes, this uh, features highlights from the band's first five albums. Um, and technically, I suppose, if people were paying actual money for this, then they really were paying money for nothing because there's nothing new on it. That's true. Very yeah. true. Good true. observation. I like truth. that. It's the truth. Yeah. Man speaks truth. Right, let's get into our singles. 2nd of October, in at number 41, was Killing Jar, or just Killing Jar, sorry, by Susie and the Banshees. I don't get what audience they're aiming at with this recent Susie stuff. We said it before, but this one in particular. It's an, it's actually an okay tune. I didn't actually mind the song. Yeah, yeah, same. But, but you're right in that it, it's not goth or punk. It's much more poppy. It's much no. more lighter. No, no tone. goth is going to crumble for this. No punk is going to pogo. <laughs> No, they're not. not. They're really they're just not. not. No spitting on. No one's going to spit on her for that. No, and that's probably a good thing. Number 52 is Get Real by Paul Rutherford. Oh, God's sake. Quick question. Honestly. Is this is this Paul Rutherford from Frankie Oster Hollywood? Uh, that is a very good question. It probably is. I didn't look into that. Because obviously might, Frankie Oster Hollywood be. have imploded by this point. Yes, so. it might be easy. It could easy be. As there was a massive sort of hat, hat, house scene, wasn't there? Yeah. And that one in particular, just as soon as you hear it, you know it. You're like, oh, I've heard it. It got so much airplay. There's a nice underlying techno vibe to it, which means that, and I'm not sure the link I've had wasn't the remix, but the speech on that one just ruins it anyway. Techno. Yeah. Love techno. Techno. But it's not as good as that. It's like a speaking spell nightmare. It really is, yeah. It's like Big Mouth. You'd have to do a little bit of digging to see if it's Mr. Rutherford from Frankie. I think, I'm pretty sure it probably will be. Probably must be, I guess. I reckon. Um, Number 59 is Burst by the Darling Buds. I really like this. I went and listened to quite a few of their tracks, actually. I've never heard of them before. But as you rightly pointed out, it's it's somewhere in the middle of Primitives and Go-Go's. Yeah, Blondie. They were they were apparently the big Blondie clone. All oh, right, okay, Blondie, Primitive Go Go's, but it's got catchy sort of poppy, fast guitar-y, hooky thing. I was all right with this. Good chorus. Yeah, they um, they released three albums. The final album was called Erotica. They released that a few weeks before Madonna's album called the same name. <laughs> not, not genuinely a good idea to do that. Uh, yeah, but that was it. Was okay, wasn't it? it? Wasn't terrible. It was very, very like you said, very primitives and go goes and all that. Mm, yeah, very much so. Nice chorus though. Yeah, um, yeah good all right. catchy stuff. Good. Yeah. In at number sixty-eight is Mr. Lee by Diana Ross. I was let down by this song. Why? Not literally. I wasn't like deflated by it or anything. All <laughs> <laughs> my tires went flat listening to it. <laughs> Comedy moment. Comedy moment. <laughs> Um, because I realised that this was not, as far as I know, a serenade to Bruce Lee, um, but instead some kind of soft-style 50s throwback rock and roll. Sounded a lot like um, Lollipop by the Cordettes as well in places. So Yes, yes it did. Um, yeah. I thought that as well. Listen to it. In at number 99, though, it's Abandoned by Dare. <laughs> I knew now, this would be a good one. The hair in this is <laughs> its extraordinary. It's a new kind of hairdo as well. It's the, ra- it's the Rambo-do. <laughs> Ramdu. It's the Ramdu. The Ramdu. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of hair in this. There's a lot of wire and mesh fences in it. God didn't make the Ramdu. His hairdresser <laughs> <Hey>. did. <laughs> I'm his hairdresser. He'll cut, I made hair the, it. cut hair the thickness of a billy goats. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly a song that's missing from its soundtrack because it sounded like something that should have been on a Rocky or a Van Damme movie. Probably is, actually. I don't know for sure. Yeah, but probably. It's not um, bad, though, is it? <laughs> It, no, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. You, you want you want a load of ramdus? Just get a load of hairnets first. <laughs> there is enormous ramdu in that. The ramdu is <laughs> is strong with that one. It really is. So yeah, lots of ram. But it's a good song. On the same, it is that. a good song, and it's not very often that you see a lead rock singer with a guitar. You don't, and we've got two lead people with two guitars in this particular. I mean, you, you wait all the time for a guitar, none are coming, <laughs> and then two come at once. Uh, and there was also so much denim 
Not the first, not the only oh. rock song we'll see with so much denim, but this is the first of that. I get the feeling that the hair metal, this, is, this isn't hair metal, this is Rambo metal, and it's <laughs> taking denim back. We're taking denim back. It's like, ours. Oh, no. You can't have it. It's making a comeback. <laughs> 9th of October, in at number 20s, we call it... Acid! Oh, this... Featuring Gary Heisman, which is D-Mob featuring Gary Heisman. This frigging song. I got five seconds in. As soon as he started... I was all, I turned it off. I was like, done, I'm done. It's the Acid classic, isn't it? That, that was the one that whenever Acid House, which by this point was a news item for all of the illegal acid parties and all the drug taking that was yeah. apparently going on at those parties, which probably was true, but you know, people were having a genuinely good time as far as I could see. But this is the one that goes, Acid, Acid. Yeah. And it was played loads on the Hitman and Her. And I mean loads, loads. Yes, yes. Just, you know, you cannot escape it. This one is associated with UK acid house parties. Mm-hmm, um, anyway, that's that's how it came about. That's that's the, you know, and we're now going to get tortured with a whole lot more of that. Oh, yeah, that's true. In at number 21 is Harvest for the World by the Christians. Not a fan. No, well, it's message heavy, isn't it? Very heavy. The video is message heavy. It, you know, is it wrong that watching that video made me really want a cheese sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. Why did you want I, a cheese know, sandwich? Because it's, it's all about the Harvest for the World and all this stuff. And then there was this big table full of cheese in the video and I thought just eat a cheese sandwich <laughs> I feel like I may have missed the you know, all the, you, all the you, other you, visual cues about yeah, that the, song the, the, the fat cats and everything having everything and all you wanted was oh I could do with some of that which I suppose but you couldn't you couldn't have it though so maybe yeah. the message got to you well you, t- you see you take from these things what you want and I was wanting <laughs> I a sandwich wanted, after that so I just I, I took some cheddar <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that at all uh in at number 29 is orinoco flow yeah as above as we've said what was that in you want a mcdonald's oh we can't understand a word you say speak properly you're not having one now get back on your producing stuff that writing gibberish again yeah, yeah. Uh, in at number 41 speaking of more gibberish Real Gone Kid by Deacon Blue I hate this song I, I really 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 f***ing hate it <laughs> it was their big single though wasn't it it was the one that yeah. they oh it's that, the big yeah. one because it's yeah. got that beginning and then it follows up with the stupid lyric I can't say it you're going to have to say it because it, it, I can't well, it, it makes goes, me angry uh, I'll do what I should have did I can't I can't it pisses me <laughs> off even thinking about it <laughs> I mean I'm I'm using the grammar Nazi but yeah I'll do what I should have did it's like you, you're just you making wanted, it rhyme you wanted to rhyme with kid you didn't yeah. have to it doesn't have do to what rhyme I, I do what I should have did I do what I should have done yeah yeah and there's loads of words that rhyme with done bun bun <laughs> real gone bun <laughs> It works better than do what I should have did. You'd have to change the name of the title. That's real, fine. Real, real gone one, real gone gun. I'll go for sense and grammar over st- and stupidity. <laughs> True. I'm a real gone bun. I do what I should have fun doesn't make much sense either, but let it, we'll just let yeah. it go. Let it go. We'll let it go. Uh, in at number 53, uh, Staying Together by Debbie Gibson. Didn't like this. No, the shoulder pads are reaching critical mass in that yeah. video. They're just ridiculous. She's almost as wide as she's tall. She is, actually. And she's like she's like a squish. She's like, she's starting to get to, like, what's his face? Um, out of Talking Heads, out of that video, <laughs> you know, the, the classic suit. It's he starting to look bigger, like yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah, it is exactly that, yeah. No, what's his name? Bobby Byrne. 
I don't know, I can't remember deleting a name out of Talking Heads. It's not Bobby Burns, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's not Bobby Burns. It should be, but he it's sounds not. like a football player for uh, Tottenham or something, Bobby in, Burns. In, in the 1960s. Bobby Burns got it down the left wing. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, the thing with this video as well, lots of kooky playing to the camera and antics. Oh, yeah, I, I hate that. I hate really that. don't like that. You know, no. clearly the fans would be loving it. Go, oh, Debbie, you're so funny. Debbie, you're so funny. And your fashion sense is just amazing. I love the hat you're wearing, those oversized hats that you wear, those Botas hats. <laughs> it's almost like you've taken it from the cues from the goth scene, but made the hats bigger. Well, instead of the tiny hat. Yeah, she's got, an over, she's got a big hat. She's got big one. hats, yeah. yeah. She's anti-goth. She is. Completely different. Number 57, How Many Tears Can You Hide? Which sounds a bit creepy by Shaking Stevens. It is creepy because the whole thing is creepy. <laughs> Very creepy. Awful. Oh, so bad, that song. Was- so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, you. Yeah, you, your backdrop looks like the ones they use for the photos at a graduation ceremony. It's such a spot-on observation because <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It's exactly that. <laughs> There's like somebody behind the camera going, "Have you graduated? <laughs> can you can you go off? Can you get off?" There's a moment at the beginning of that when it's like someone shouts the word "egg" from behind him because he just sort of looks over his shoulder for a minute. <laughs> so, and I'm very tempted to do that. I'm going to take the audio off that track and just fire a few random words in there, and it just be "egg," and he's like, "Hey, what, what?" Yeah, it's you know, a stupid, <laughs> stupid thing, and it's a crap song as well. Really, it's crap. terrible. I'm sure that Shaking Stevens hadn't ironed his shirt properly, anyway. Either he didn't iron. Well, he did, but he was so shaky, he just creased. Well, it's exactly, it. He's just trying to shake the creases out, and it won't work. I can tell you, no, you can't. Get some starch spray or something, and you know, <laughs> get and on, get on t- with it. And then, how many tears can you hide? Hey, how many? And if you can't operate the iron properly, get an adult to help you. <laughs> This isn't like Blue Peter. <laughs> it is for him. <laughs> True. You're not even uh, graduating now. Get off. Get out. Get out. You haven't even got a certificate. You've got a BA being a dickhead. Get out. <laughs> Number 63, Night of the Living Baseheads by Public Enemy. Yeah, it's sort of set the bench up. You know, this is this is um was he- on heavy repeated play at Wilson's Brown Sauce Emporium. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I know it was. It's big on it's big on this one he was. It was a very angry track as well, but no, they're angry guys and it they is. have a lot to say. So it's a very amazing. busy track, isn't it? I was listening to it, there's lots going yes. on in this track. It's lots of samples and it's like, oh that's that's how they did it though. Yeah, it is, it is, but that's 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 the public enemy way. It's good stuff, you know. Yeah, you like that kind of thing. Um and completely differently, at number seventy one, she makes my day by Robert Palmer. <laughs> Chalk, say hello to cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, this song, Honking Guff. Yeah, no, yeah, but no. you know what this song is, don't you? No. The Bastard Pigeon Song. <laughs> pigeon Song? Do you remember all those episodes ago when I had that pigeon haunting me? Oh, yes, it is. You <laughs> said is it was this song, didn't you? It's that song. <laughs> the pigeon was singing it in me. And I was like, when I put this on, I was like, it's that pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pigeon song. <laughs> they want their money robert they want their money <laughs> pigeons are haunting me for it they were because they because they know they, they never got their royalties from it they 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 probably didn't but damn pigeons they've singing at yeah. me for weeks <sighs> look i've moved house they'll follow you they will i'm expecting them outside at any point <laughs> uh 16th of october in at number 11 is je ne sais pas pourquoi kylie minogue mm. Stuck air could open, plus Kylie equals hit. Yeah. Yeah. Forgettable. Forgettable blandness. Totally, yeah. Boring. Number 32 is I'll house you. Say what? I'll house you. Say what? House music all night long. Say what? House music all night long. By Richie Rich meets the Jungle (laughs) Brothers. So many remixes of this. As soon as you hear that, can you feel it? (laughs) 
Oh, all the samples are in this one. Girl, Earl, how are you? Say what, girl? Oh, God, no. No. no Gary. No. It, reminds me, it just reminds me of Gary, that track, because he, he was playing a lot of this stuff at this time. He re- yeah, he was massively into it, wasn't he? he Number was, 36, yeah. Twist in My Sobriety by Tanita Tikaram. Yeah, I don't like Tanita Tikaram particularly. This is a rip-off of Abracadabra by Steve Miliband. It I is. Don't, I don't agree. I don't agree it with is. that. It is. It's, it sounds principally the same. It's slowed down, but the same. Yeah, I think this is a great track. I really like this song. Yeah, yeah. you put the synth lines, this remind me of something from Twin Peaks. I could see that. Yeah, and it's got conspicuous use of a clarinet in there. Or it might be an oboe, actually. Clarinet or oboe, one or two. One or two, but it does work. And at number 44 is Nothing at All. Nothing <laughs> like at I'm all. Looks like I'm wearing Nothing at All. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all by heart. Um, yeah, it's just forgettable heart guff. Really. It was Not so really boring, wasn't it? Yeah, it's really boring. Dullness. Yep. Nothing to yeah. it. You know, I'd rather look at Flanders' yeah, ass. Literally nothing at all. Very dull. Yeah. Uh, number 45 is The Party by Craze. Uh, and now, welcome the Plink Plonk House Piano. Blink, 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 blink. Blink, 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 blink. It's got that standard house rhythm to this as well that goes with those plink, plink house pianos. No, 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 no. No. I dig house stuff, but I didn't. I never did like the plink, plonk piano. No. Number number 48 is One, Two, Three by Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine. One, two, three. Oh, it's that one, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, brought to you by Sesame Street. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Rock your body. It would be, hi, Count. I'm a Gloria Esther fan. Oh, 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 oh. I'm drinking your blood now. How many fans do we have here? <laughs> One fan, two fans. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> God, we watched a lot of that. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> 23rd of October, in at number 11, is Stand Up For Your Love Rights by Yaz. Uh, not a fan of this one. It's such a letdown, really. It is. Um, I've noted, though, in the video, she's do, she's got a she's got a particular dance that she does, hasn't she? She does. She's doing the Yaz dance. <laughs> she's following in the footsteps of the Andy Bell Bend or the Jimmy Somerville Giddy Bop. It is. It's the Yaz dance. It's the Yaz dance. I don't know what else to call it. The Yaz, I was thinking of the Yaz jazz up or something, but she's got she's kind of that step to the side, step to the... Yaz thing jazz that, hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's also she does that thing with her shoulders. She does a lot of shoulder shrugging. Shrugs. Yeah, she is a shoulder shrugger, very much so. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see that this, you know, she's keeping that kind of signature dance theme uh, alive when we've not seen a lot of it recently from the Andy Bell Bend and the yes, Jimmy absolutely, giddy true. very giddy lady, very giddy song, just not particularly memorable. It's just a bit of a forgetful because the previous one was very good. So let down. Yeah, true. In uh, at number nineteen is Kiss featuring Tom Jones by Out of Noise featuring Tom Jones. <laughs> it's quite it's quite good this in its own stupid way. I know a lot I knew a lot of people who really, really hated this. Obviously it's a print song, isn't it? Yeah, and the Prince version is very good as and well. And they hated this, whereas I was like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's just I don't quite know how these things come to be. I guess Prince sits there back and just waits watch this watches the money roll in. Probably. But I did question like what number Renaissance was this for Tom Jones? Oh goodness me, because he's bound back every year, isn't he? <laughs> It's always bouncing back with something because there would be a big. I know there was a big Tom Jones thing in the mid nineties, wasn't there? When he sort of he partnered up with loads of indie bands, yeah, like Stereophonics ca- ca- and stuff, Catatonia, didn't he? Yeah, and Stereophonics and uh, not just Welsh bands, but loads of other bands as well. But there was loads of that. This yeah. and this is obviously nineteen eighty eight, so he never stops. And then he came back for what was that? He was on that game show, only the Voice. Was it the Voice? Can't keep a good Tom Jones down, can you? You cannot. Now his success is very, very interesting, but it's not unusual. 
Hey. <laughs> um, by the way, um, the art noise is Trevor Horn, isn't he? Producing in the background. It so is, yeah. Always funky that. Always funky. Yeah. Um, and number 31 is Welcome to the Jungle, double A side with Night Train. I don't know why yep. I need to feel the need to do this as a double A side. No, Welcome I don't think Night Train is not a great track for them. but Not really. Welcome to the Jungle is a Stone Cold classic. So it's the yes. best Guns N' Roses. Well, maybe not the best, but it's my favourite off the album. Yeah, it's up there with Paradise City for me, those two tracks. I yeah. think if, if someone said to me, name me two Guns N' Roses tracks, those would be the ones I'd jump for. Oh, really? Nothing off Usual Illusion 1 or 2? Yeah, yeah, I, just, I, I much prefer. I, like, I really like Paradise City as a track by them. It's such it a good. great, it's such a great Guns N' Roses track. It's got as well. It's got the longest outro to ever any song ever. I it think, does. Apart, apart from Leonard Skinner. Um, yeah, who, true. Who, <laughs> Free Bird, which has you know must be the longest outro to any song ever. Probably not, but it feels like it. And at number thirty-four is Take a Look, rather not by Level Forty-Two. Ooh, what is it all for? <laughs> it's too know. funky for its own good. I didn't like its funky. It was too funky. Too much funkiness. And his hair's not explainable, and his face is made of plastic. <laughs> and you see there's a picture of him there. Yes, yeah, that's that bloody guy again, isn't it? It's the alien it bounty just, hunter just from X-Files. Like <laughs> He's more plastic than that in the video, isn't he? But it is him. It it's is definitely him, definitely. him, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Same fashion sense as well. Lots of, you know, browns and creams and whites. <laughs> if you were going to be an alien bounty hunter, would you wear that jumper and that brown no. leather jacket on, on, no. and with a white t- white, white high-necked T-shirt I'm underneath. sensing the aliens have not been investigating the uh, the colours of fashion. They've just gone for beiges and browns. Blend in, you say. Blend in brown. <laughs> I suppose brown does blend in. It does. Um, yes. Number 43 is Let's Stick Together, 88, by Brian Ferry. Yeah, remi- re-release, I'm guessing, for a soundtrack or something, maybe, is it? Probably. The way his moustache was revealed troubled me in this in ways I can't describe. <laughs> that bloody moustache. Because <laughs> he's, 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 he's doing that rah, 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 with the harmonica in it at first, and then yeah. he, he kind of lowers it slowly, and then that moustache appears. And it's like, yeah. It oh, looks Brian. like the ones that you get in cheap crackers, Christmas crackers as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Probably, he probably, well, he's probably just not cleaned the harmonica. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a dirty harmonica, and that's that's a horrible, that's a euphemism. I don't even want to think about. That's probably what it is. Don't go near Brian Ferry. He's just he's just got a, he's got a dirty harmonica. Oh, he has. <laughs> he has. Yeah, you know that's that's got to be a thing. That's where a musician sticks someone's harmonica up there down their ass crack, tries to blow down it, and then someone uses it. They see guys giving him a dirty harmonica. <laughs> Must be. It's like there a stink go. palm. It's the same same sort of idea. Yep, it's all unpleasant, but yeah, Brian's ferries with his dirty harmonica. <laughs> Number 65 is Handled With Care by the Travelling Wilburys. Yeah, interesting. Super group, weren't they, of their time? Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Roy Oberson and Tom Petty. Massive names for that band. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big super Crazy. group, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I quite like that song. I don't like a lot of the Travelling Wilburys stuff. I quite like that song. It's it's inoffensive. It's all right. But I thought it's boring MOR dullness for me. It's all right. Like, it's all right. Catchy enough, I suppose. It's not It's not too bad. I like George Harrison, though. I do like a lot of George Harrison's stuff. So Number 74, You Make Me Work by Cameo. Um, <laughs> good cod piece action in this again. Solid cod piece action. I mean, I mean, it's the thing you come for a Cameo video for, isn't it? You, come, you don't come for the tune. You come for the cod piece action. Well, no, because you're just going to hear Word Up again. That, that is true, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, cod piece is is you know very elaborate, and in order for someone to embrace the cod piece in that way, that takes a bit of skill. That's a life skill. Yeah, it's a, it's a brave choice in you know nineteen eighty eight to go for the it cod is, piece. You know, even in the eighteen hundreds, they were phasing them out in Victorian eighteen hundreds, <laughs> and that tells you everything you need to know about the cod piece. It does. Yeah, it's a it's the thing of the past. But he's it trying is. to bring it back um, in, in his own way. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really work, but well done, no. Cameo. 30th of October, edit number 30, He Ain't No Competition by Brother Beyond. 
Yes, uh, more stock aching and Walkman god awfulness, isn't it? Um, yeah. And he's jiggly and wiggly in that in, in continually, isn't he? He's like he's he went, constantly he, on he the move. He can't stand still. He can't. He's, he's you know, he's, they've they've put either put pants down his pants or they've given him you know, a serious dose of something. Yeah. And this very conspicuous use of sitar in that song, which is troubling, troubling there indeed. Is. And please help those affected with low polyism because he's back. <laughs> it's it's the lowest poly I've ever seen. It's just it's just a texture on a on a round thing. It's a, <laughs> They've not even uh, they've not even bump mapped him, have they? It's just it's just it's featureless. It's, be- it's bevelless. As somebody once said, he's all face and no features. <laughs> <laughs> In at number thirty-one, I wish you heaven by Prince. Oh, this is very forgetful, and you can sort of see because I know there's the whole ruhaha around Prince and the record label getting fed up because he was not quite doing what they wanted, and they wanted more of this stuff, and he was doing all of this. This is an example of why they were getting frustrated. Yeah, it's just noise without tune. It's dreary, even for Prince, that. Yeah, it's really just, You can sort of see all the record execs going, why can't you just do another, you know, um, Purple Rain album? Because <laughs> that was really, everyone liked that. And then he says, no, I want this. <laughs> what are you doing, Prince? Yeah, what I want. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. He was doing whatever the hell he liked at this point. Yeah. Number 52 is Revolutions by Yomiel Yar. Revolution. Yeah, I didn't like this. No, it's very much Marmite Revolutions. More noise a without a album. tune, as far as I can make um, out. You either like Revolutions as the, the album Revolutions, or you don't. I actually do. We'll come to that later, but it always makes me laugh because if this the substitutions of words you can put into this. So it's just like TV, no, no TV, egg, no egg. And you can you can go hog wild with that. You can have loads of fun with dog, that. dog, egg, dog, egg, no egg, dog, egg. It's just. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not the best Jean Michel Jarre, Jean Michel Jarre album by a long way. In fact, it's far from it. No, no. it's not even in this. It pales into you can't compare this with the you know equinoxes or the magnetic fields or anything yeah, like that. Um, you can. But there's a couple of interesting tracks on it which we'll come to later. And it's, st- it's still better in, better than uh, waiting for Cousteau. It is better than that, and this is the last great because this is the one that he performed. Oh, there's other stuff as well, but it was Revolutions principally that drove the London Docklands Gate concert, which must be coming up if yeah, it hasn't yeah, happened already. Be, must have. So. Uh, number 59 is Fallen Angel by Poison. Oh, this one. Lots of hair, wasn't there? <laughs> Lots of hair and really soft rock, in it? It's really just bland. Yeah, bland people rock. People are worried about these people. What a weird video as well, where it starts with just having dinner and it's like, I want to go to Los Angeles or California. Yeah. And then she goes there and then she's just getting exploited by that guy that always plays evil people in things. Yep. He's always a baddie in everything. But the but the song is light metal. Yeah, it's that. totally. Yeah, totally. Not Lee. It's like it's completely not Lee twee yeah and then coming completely the other other end of metal this sort of thing number 98 i want out by halloween which yeah. is a great song really i, I hadn't listened to it yes. in, actually so i went to listen to it night i all just came back i was like what a great tune this is it is it's one of their greatest songs some cracking bits of guitar in that just just it's brilliant and his vocals are amazing in it as well yes um really really good the video is not great no, it's just, it's all kinds of wrong. And I had never seen the video before, interestingly enough. A lot of these Halloween videos are surfacing on YouTube now. Um, oh, right. And so a lot of them uh, were probably, they've probably been on YouTube for a while, actually. But some of them just seem to be popping up again. Yeah. And um, so I'd never seen this because we didn't see a lot of music videos. It was actually an interesting footnote is that the significant proportion of music videos that we'd seen were on people, we had a mate who recorded them off MTV for us, and there never were any of these ones. When you see this video, you can see why. It is dreadful. There's a lot of denim. More denim. So much denim in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the denim is strong yeah. in that one. And it's another one of those dreadful comedy videos. But there was there is one good shot in it where I did quite like where he's just singing deadpan when they're driving along. 
Yeah, interesting. It's a nice, nice shot of him. He's not. He's just about mouthing the words almost, but it's no emotion. Yeah, and I thought that was actually quite a nice. The rest, the rest of it's awful, but that that one shot that was quite quite good. Yeah, and you know, remember at this time he must have been what 19, 18, 19 when he was recording that. So yeah, amazing, amazing. The world is oyster in that when you see him doing that, and you can hear the power in his voice in that song. It's one of the great uh, Kiss singing songs. That one. Yeah, really, really, really good, really good. Um, and at number one hundred is Control. I'm here by Nitzareb. Oh, I really like this group. I yeah, really, you, really you and Gary them. did, didn't you? I could never get into him. Well, it was Gary that got me into it, strange enough, really. Um, he, he picked up some... Um, he, I don't know which one he got first, but he certainly played Control, I'm Here, this track to me first, along with a couple of others. Um, and I just it just instantly clicked with me. I really, really, really like the use of the synthesizers and the programming of them in here and the way the drums are done. I love it. Um, so Douglas McCarthy and David Goody, um, you know, group formed quite early into the whole sort of, and then they sort of became industrial. Industrial kind of was something that was pinned on them, but they exist in an interesting space for that. They're a very unusual band of that time. Mm-hmm. This is easily one of the best tracks they did. There's an amazing... Um, um, there's an amazing um, remix album called um, Muscle and Hate, which has a remix of this on it, which is absolutely just jaw-droppingly good. So good. Um, so if you're out there, you can, it's on Spotify, so go and check that out But if you like that kind of thing. But okay. um, this was off their album Belief, um, which was a very good album. They have actually reformed back in 2006 and are still going, as far as I can tell. Uh, Can't be stopped, see? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can appreciate them, but it's just never one. It just never grabbed me. Everyone else, like, I, I mean, I could get into stuff like Front 242, a little bit. They were kind of the same sort of thing. They were never a mass band that grabbed me. Um, even Skinny Puppy and stuff like that. But it's Reb just, there was just something I just never clicked with. But you know, yeah, they like that. like them all. No, um, I mean, I've seen them live as well. They were amazing live for the short amount of time they played before they destroyed the speakers, but they were really good and mm. um, way back into this. So yeah, got a lot of time for uh, the old Nights of Reb, even the later stuff, which not a lot of people do like because they sort of went and started using guitars and things and things that mm. turned synth heads off. But I would mm. still like them. I still love you, Nights of Reb. Yeah. There were no uh, Cuban 8, that's for sure. <laughs> they were a big influence on Cuban 8. Yeah, I thought they would be. There we go. Right, that's your singles. Let's get some albums. 2nd of October. We've spoken about the singles, these, so we'll just probably might skip through some of these. Number three is Revolutions by Yomi El Yar. Revolution, yeah. It's a good album. It's got Hank Marvin on a truck on it. Seriously? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Why, what's yeah. Hank Marvin doing on it? He plays live with John Bouchard at Docklands. Ah, he plays yeah. on his track. I forget what it's called now, but it's... It's, it's as you would imagine it's, it sounds. It's Jean-Michel Jarre synthesizers with Hank Marvin playing his sound of guitar over it. That's dead weird. It's actually a really good track. I can't imagine the 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 the, the steps or who approached who if Jean-Michel Jarre um, went and asked Hank Marvin if he'd be on his album. It's just weird, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know how those two met or how it happened. but don't know. Maybe. It, it did. It, somehow it did. <laughs> Somehow it did. Number nine is Peace in Our Time by Big Country. Bah. Yeah, their full studio album. But I mean, I like some of their mid-80s stuff, but by this point, yeah. no. They're, yeah, no but they're get, not my, not quite my cup of tea. I think the main guitarist left at this point, I think, as well. Yeah. Number 22, All That Jazz by Breathe. Don't know a lot about Breathe. Bit dreary, sleazy sax pop for me, this one. Lots <laughs> yeah, of trumpets. Very, so. <laughs> stabby trumpets. Sleazy demure yeah it wasn't it just yeah, not very good this i don't know if we've not actually got anything down for this next one number 41 the stars we are by mark almond yeah that's somehow we missed us that i don't i don't know i wasn't into mark almond although i think he's a great singer yeah anyway he's got another album out 
Number 48 is Metal Rhythm by Gary Newman. Um, so <laughs> off, the, off the wiki, it said his previous stu- three studio albums, he released them on his own label, Numa Records, but they were all de- disappointing sales. So he went and signed with IRS Records. But most of the album had, in fact, been recorded before he, he signed with them, so they couldn't do anything to change it. It's like, oh. <laughs> but the label was still able to exert influence on the album's release. He wanted to call the album Cold Metal Rhythm after its song of the same name, but IRS believes that the show... IRS, that's the Inland Revenue Service, believes yeah. that the short and title sounded less negative and more commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Newman, man, less negative. Come on, Gary, you need to be a bit less negative. Come on, don't be so negative, Newman. Come on. I'm not being negative. I in wrote the future, the song. Whenever any, anyone hears your name, they're just going to think of erectile dysfunction, and you'll be all right. And you know, <laughs> new man, new man, new man. There's bloody adverts. In at number sixty-six is Vixen by Vixen. Mm, your favourite double namer, self-titling. Well, yeah, self-titled. Uh, yeah, it's just lazy. But you know, it's their first album, isn't it? Yeah. I've been living on the. I've had that song stuck in my head. <laughs> since we did it in the singles the other week and you like them don't you i'm, I'm not i don't particularly them. like them no they're, they're they're a funny they're what they are they're a they're a very pretty metal female metal band at the time and they were marketed as very much in that respect but living in a broken heart I, 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 catchy tune yeah but and remember that head, um, richard marks heavily responsible for their early career in this and produced his album in fact so. really i didn't know that actually yes so yes, mr yes. hazard that's it yeah Mr. He Hazard. swore he left him safe and sound, and he says it every time. It's like that's not funny anymore, as he just leaves. <laughs> Where'd you leave him, Richard? Left safe and sound by the river. Just, just at the door, click. I'm not answering that. <laughs> Where did you leave them, Richard? Go away. <laughs> Go away. Leave me. <laughs> Stop ringing me. Uh, 9th of October, in a, straight in at number one. We've already spoken about this. Flying Colors by Crispy Burger. There they are. In at number four is Pop Art by Transvision Vamp, which was their yeah. debut studio album. You know, this peaked at number 13 in Australia, where it was the 25th highest selling album of 1989. I get it. I get it. The, you know, the, the sort of thing they were throwing out there was, you know, wildly sort of rowdy and poppy and, you know, people like that kind of thing. Hmm. But I don't think you can do it for more than one or two albums before people go, that's rubbish now. So <laughs> yeah. It I mean, dates really quickly, that sort of stuff. It does. You need to move on and do other stuff, unless you're the Ramones and you just do it forever. Yes. Well, that's, that's the Ramones rule. The Ramones rule, yeah, they're the, uh, they're the, yeah. One that- Apply the rule of Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> it only lasts three minutes. Number 37, Talk is Cheap by Keith Richards. I found this funny. It's the debut solo album by, I thought it was, you know, it was by musician Keith Richards, guitarist of the Rolling Stones. It was recorded and released during a long-standing falling out with Mick Jagger. The falling out was because the image-conscious Jagger was keen to follow the trends and keep the Rolling Stones current, while Richards wanted to preserve their reputation and roots. Okay. So that what that means is that led to the green shirt and, you know, dancing in the street nightmare. <laughs> That's what his that's what his interpretation of keeping current was. Yeah, exactly. You can see why he released his own stuff. <laughs> Keith Richards going, I ain't doing that. Keith Richards is a, is literally a husk. <laughs> He's kept together by hair and blue tack. It must be. I think if you look really close, it's just loads of ants have just formed a Keith Richards. <laughs> it's the thing from uh, Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the musical version, just they've just formed a formed. What you know, some ants form. You know, nests and some ants do, you know, mountain <laughs> ant hills and things like that. That particular type of ant did a Keith Richards. They just did. Keith Rich ants. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they are. That's their type. It you know, is, they're very yeah. rare. But when they get together, they just, you know, form guitarists in, in you know, rock and <laughs> they roll form, bands. They form 1960s guitarists. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it's unusual, but very skilled there. Absolutely. And um, Mick Jagger, by the way, right now is just living spaghetti. <laughs> That's a, such a good description of him. That's exactly what he is. He is. That's what he, he is. is. Just, he's just, if you've got an egg and stuck it on top of a sp- stick of spaghetti, <laughs> you'd have him. It's just him. He's like, <laughs> you're not Mick Jagger. Yeah, it's just a string of spaghetti. <laughs> It just crumbles down and drops. Wow, it really was. How do you know? Keith Richards, all the ants just drop. I was like, oh, I've got two of my band members. One was spaghetti and one was ants. How, how did you know? I knew when I walked past her. <laughs> oh, God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> the living spaghetti. <laughs> living spaghetti and a guitarist made of ants working together. Absolutely. Working as one. <laughs> See them live, Rolling Stones, as you've never seen them before. <laughs> yeah, they're good. You're not allowed to have any sweet things in the front row. None. <laughs> no. Someone opens like a Mars bar and you just see Keith Richards just, just disappear. Just collapses. <laughs> Someone throws a tin of tomatoes at <laughs> Mick Jagger and he just dissolves into a nice sauce. <laughs> yeah, the security guy. Not the marinara. Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> uh, number 46 is uh, uh, oh, Watermark no. by Enya. Yeah, no thanks. No, it's a second studio album anyway. Number 79 is No Sleep at All by Motorhead. This is the third live album. Very loud band. Good if you like that kind of thing. Yeah, if you like that kind of thing. Uh, number one, 16th of October, straight to number one was Rattle and Hum. Yeah, yeah Rattle and Bum, more like. <laughs> yep. Number two, Introspective. Uh, by the Pet Shop Boys. Uh, this was their third studio album, and there are, do you know, there are only six tracks on this album. Makes Left sense. My Own Devices, I Want a Dog, Domino Dancing, I'm Not Scared, Always On My Mind, and It's All Right. They did it backwards because they were they usually, as it says in the wiki sort of thing, they, they approach this as like most albums have, you know, three to five minute songs, about 10 of them, mm. and then they release remixes. What they did with this is they just did the remixes first and then okay. mi- and then mixed them down for single releases. Okay, interesting. Um, which is an interesting way, of, you know, it uh, means you just don't have to come up with so many songs. <laughs> True. <laughs> to fill the album up. So all the songs on it are like six to nine minutes long. But uh, room, I say roommate, when I was living in my second house at university, the guy was a shared house and the guy that um, we used to call him um, Lawnmower Man. It's a bit like that. So, But right. he very rarely came out of his room, but he always played that album really loud, really, really loud. So wow. It used to drive Weird. me a little bit mad. So. And at number three was To Whom It May Concern by the Pasadenas. Nah. No, I don't yeah. care. Uh, number 18 is Into the Dragon by Bomb the Bass. Good album, that, actually, if you're into your sort of, you know, housey-housey stuff. And yeah, Mega Blast on stuff. that. It is indeed. In at number 23 is No Rest for the Wicked by Ozzy Osbourne, his fifth studio album. That's not a good cover. No, it's not. For all sorts of reasons, bad. <laughs> yeah, just go have a look for it. You'll see what we mean. It's basically him sat on some kind of devilish necromantic throne, yeah. throne with three young girls around him screaming at him yeah um, and he's but... dressed in hessian and that's never a good thing <laughs> it's not didn't no. work well for the sergeant howie and the wicker man it won't end well for him no hessian's not a good look in at number 25 is barcelona by freddie mercury and montserrat cabal barcelona now nah, one of my one is finest moment it's good Singing, if you like that kind of thing, but not for me. Yeah, not for me either. Uh, number 37 is The Price You Pay, Spirit Destiny, their fifth studio album. Um, we talked about, about this, I think, the, uh, the other week when they had So In Love With You. We did a little bit. We did, yeah. Which Good is track. on the album. Great track. Um, and finally, for this this, uh, this day, is number 38, Always by Hazel Dean. Stupid. Rubbish. This Rubbish. was sore, wasn't it? More sore nonsense. It is absolutely more sore nonsense. 23rd of October, straight in at number one is Money For Nothing by Dire Straits. 
Yeah, we mentioned that before. Yeah. Number three is Any Love by Luther Vandross. It is the sixth studio album by American singer Luther Vandross. Um, I was going to guess that this was very smooth with some funk thrown in. So I listened to the single, She Won't Talk To Me, and I was not wrong. Yeah, it's exactly that. You can only play the uh, LP once because uh, once you've played it, it smooths itself out and just goes completely <laughs> unplayable. So it's, it's a record come um, like you can actually turn into a cream that you can put on your face. It's like a foundation cream. <laughs> Which then gets rid of all your features. Exactly. It's just smoothens it. It comes with its own smoothening cream. It does. And at number nine is Giving You the Best That I Got by Anita Baker. Yeah. Third yeah. album by American R&B soul singer Anita Baker. And at number 12 is the Smash Hits Party 88, various artists, uh, you know, in case you don't have a now or a hits album. That's what they should have called it. Uh, number 13 is Fisherman's Blues by the Water Boys. Uh, Water Boys, no. Um, this is, uh, I think their fourth album, so I don't know what it is, but the album marks a change in the band's sound, with them yes. abandoning their earlier grandiose rock sound for a mixture of traditional Irish music, traditional Scottish music, country music and rock and roll critics were divided on its release with some disappointed at the change of direction and others ranking it among the water boys best work <laughs> i'm sensing a spinal tap moment <laughs> we hope you enjoy our new direction this is <laughs> birth of spinal tap mark ii we are the water men we have grown up <laughs> we are not about to do a 10 minute freeform jazz exploration in front of a festival crowd <laughs> just go wouldn't you if you went to see water boys just do hole of the moon yeah everyone yeah, we don't want to play moon? it yeah. Are you doing that? No. Uh, you're no water boys. Not anymore. Number 15 is Big Thing by Duran Duran, their fifth studio album. Yes. The recent singles good, have either. not been good. No, it's not a good album at all. It's it's a, it's the tragic fall. They, they come back with one good song way later down the line, don't they? Which is Ordinary World. But until this point, it's just going down, baby. Yeah, this is the Nadia for Duran yep. Duran. Uh, number 32 is Comedy by Black. See what they did there, Black Comedy. Yeah, clever that. Clever but, play on words. Yeah. Uh, I put so so bland. It should have been labelled as contrabland uh, <laughs> and made illegal. Contrabland. I love it. Contrabland is a great name for that. Contrabland, and it should have been made illegal. Yes, is dull, dull as dishwater. Yeah, very much so. Thirtieth of October. In at number four is Rage by Tapau, the mm. second album by British pop group Tapau. It reached number four and gave the group three hit singles: Secret Garden, Road to Our Dream, and Only the Lonely. You remember them. <laughs> Their debt to society paid in <laughs> full. full. I knew you'd get that as soon as I wrote it. You remember them, don't you? Whitman, Price, and <laughs> Even now they're drinking and enjoying the Maui sun. They're not, though. <laughs> Terrible album. Yeah. Rubbish band. Rubbish band at this point. Downhill yeah. again. Down they go. Down they go. Uh, in at number 39 is The Beat, The Rhyme, The Noise by the Wee Papagale Rappers. Ah, I bet We Rule is on that. Yeah, it's their debut album. I didn't know this. Before being signed to Jive Records, the two sisters were backing singers for Fergal Sharkey. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Going to the Wikipedia. And it should really have been called Fergal Shaky, shouldn't you, with a voice like that? <laughs> yeah, but then he got mixed up with Shaky Stevens. Can you imagine it? Fergal Sharkey and Shaky. Fergal Shaky Stevens. Or if they just sang, sang a duet, Fergal Sharkey and Shaky. <laughs> It's too much. Sharky and shaky <laughs> for the first time <laughs> and the last time. Sharky, shaky, shaky, shaky. <laughs> um, number 56, uh, finally, just to round it off, number 56, The Travelling Wilburys by The Travelling Wilburys. Oh, there it is, yeah. The supergroup produces an album. Yeah, not a lot to say about it. You got anything you want to say about it? No, not at all. I'm just now, it's got me thinking that if Fergal Sharky, Shaking Stevens <laughs> and Cheryl Baker, you could have uh, Sharky, Shaky and Bakey. <laughs> Shaky, shaky, bakey. You could do. <laughs> Sounds like a cookery show wait, in the making. <laughs> Where uh, Fergal Sharky takes them around the uh, highlights of Ireland to uh, bake, to you know, to sample uh, the baked thing. The problem is, is that 
Shaking Stevens can no longer actually uh, control his hands, so he, he can't eat. No, all he can do is um, they give him the flour to sieve. <laughs> He's good at that. <laughs> and he just he just cries into it. <laughs> That's all he does these good days. Dough. That, he makes a good dough, a good sour, a good old, you know, plain old dough. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, shaky, cry your tears of regret. <laughs> what's, the, what's the what's the special <laughs> flavour in this in this bread? That's shaky's tears. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that some local condiment? <laughs> you might say that. <laughs> you might you might say that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's local to his face. <laughs> and is this mayo? We'll call it mayo. Yeah. It's shaky mayo. <laughs> shaky mayo. Moving on. <laughs> What's this sugar? And you just say a scramble. Oh no, buddy Richards has been in. Oh, we're never going to get him back into his human form now, you idiots. Told you, keep the sugar out. <laughs> oh, but we nearly had a super group then. <laughs> What's in that plate? That's spaghetti. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Bring the Traveling Wilburys in. None of them have made of ants. <laughs> no. Doesn't matter now. We've got a new supergroup. Yeah, we have Shaky Shaky Bakey Ant <laughs> Ant Spaghetti. Shaky Shaky Bakey with in the back in brackets it'd be with spaghetti. Spaghetti and Rich Ant. Keith there Rich Ant. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> random. The random stuff that comes out of our mouth sometimes. Wow. Anyway, on that living spaghetti <laughs> note, that's the music. That's it. That's all done. There's no more. There was no more music this month. We're going to go away, take a break for our own sanity. Come back. We've got four more games, four more games to get through. Yeah, four more games to get through. So we'll be back with them in a little bit. So please keep listening. The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can Sarah find a way to escape for real? Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town, having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must colour worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. And we're back. Four more games uh, still to come. So let's get let's waste no time. Let's get straight into them. The first one. Well, time to uh, don our sheepskin coat, um, put on our tracksuit, and shout shout from the sidelines uh, as twenty two men charge about after a ball again. This is tracksuit manager. It's got eighty nine percent, Graham. Whole eighty nine percent. Pretty good score. Eighty nine percent. One off a sizzler. So the football management trend continues with tracksuit manager from Goliath Games whose only other game would be World Championship Boxing Manager. That's niche. Very niche. <laughs> In two years' time. Um, and this is the only game credited to one Jay Foster. That's it. I'll okay. find out. So this is a, quite a sterile take on The Sim, <laughs> but um, it's not without, you know, 
it's anyway we'll get there um and does away with any kind of graphical representation of the game and goes for a purely text-based system it does um but does it have where it counts does it have where it counts and is it any good you know 89 must have something going for it so this goes for a different angle on the management sim and moves away from league football to international football after crashing out of the World Cup, your country has chosen you as their new manager. It is your job to guide them through the next four years of football, through the Nations Cup, which is essentially the Euros, and then on to the World Cup. Upon starting, you are given the default option to manage England. So you can just go, yeah, okay. But should you not wish to, you can pick any one of 32 other European countries to manage. Um, if you do pick England, you get the standard familiar English players from the period. So you get Shilton, your Lineker, your Beardsley, Peter Reid, Glenn Oddle, Tony Adams, Terry Butcher, all, all of them, all recognisable names uh, that, you know, if you're into football, you'll recognise and so on and so on. If you pick another country, you get to enter your own names for each player. That can You can have some fun there, I can tell you. <laughs> Actually, I imagine you did. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Calibos passes to Atreus. <laughs> oh, he was my manager. <laughs> what, Calibos? Calibos Cal- Dogg, yeah. Bob Ca- oh, that'd be Bob Calibos. No, Calibos Dogg. Calibos Dogg, yeah. Um, your own name for each player. You pick their position um, and their home club as well. And you can have anywhere between 30 and 100 players for this. That's quite quite a chunk. Um, and that's, that's quite a nice touch. So if you don't want to have the standard English team, you just pick another country and then just put your own names in, which is kind of okay. Um, once done, you're welcomed into the role by the newspapers, the Daily Slag and the Sporting Knife. Yeah, Some, it was a bit weird. I know. Sometimes these things really don't age well, do they? <laughs> no. I can, you know, it's the Daily Star or the Daily Sun or the Sun, or whatever, but it's not great. Off we go anyway. So everything in this is joystick controlled. That's good. Apart from obviously typing in your player's names if you're doing that bit, but it's all joystick controls. And it's nice and easy um, to actually play through this. The game starts on July 1st um, and you get that message saying, you are our new manager. You've gone through all that. You picked your team. Um, you know, you've got your squad, whoever you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And from here, you've got options along the bottom of the screen, which are date, squad, scout, play, watch, cup, diary and save so date allows you to move the time on to the next date where any fixtures are planned so you just press that and time goes forward so yeah that's it um pressing date on a day when there are fixtures brings up the results if your game is not playing so you're just advancing it you press date again and that'll just go right this day's over these are the results from that day um and you can see how many it gives you some stats as well for each game so you can see how many shots there were on goal disallowed goals fouls bookings and sendings off so quite a bit of data it's all pretty fast as well not like what was that the double where it took ages for anything to happen. It's just a, doom, oh, this is like there, so there, there. This is the great thing about this game is its speed. Um, if you press squad, that takes you to your squad list. And here to get out of this, if you haven't been in here before, you you can't get out of this without picking your initial squad from which to choose your players when you play a match. So, if you don't know, for international football, um, the manager picks a squad from all the players that are available from all the clubs in the country or from anywhere players that are eligible to play for that country, um, you have a squad of between 15 and 22 players. So you've got more players than that at your disposal. Like I said, you could have 100, but um, it allows you to, if someone gets injured, then you can swap them out and bring someone else into your squad and so on and so forth. But you can only have a maximum of 22. Um, so like I said, you can always return later and add other players, swap them out if someone's not playing well and things like that. So th- that's quite good. It's quite easy to do. Back in the main menu, you can scout any game that is taking place that day. And doing so will allow you to view the stats of any team you have scouted after the game has been played. So if you scout, you scout, you go watch game, USA against um, France or something, if it's just a friendly. Um, after that point, um, you can check on France and see what their details are, where they're strong, where they're weak. And thus, when you go to play them, if you're going to play them, then you can, um, you know, you can sort of curtail your, your, your strategy around that. 
Um, we'll skip play uh, for the moment, uh, but watch allows you to watch any game being played that day. Um, and it basically does. You just watch the game. It's, it's as if you were playing one of your own games, so you can watch all that. And again, after doing that, you can look at the stats for each team on that as well. If you go to Cup, it shows you the stats and dates and groups for the upcoming Nations or World Cup. So there's lots of data, so you can see all the uh, these eight groups with all the teams in, who's playing who, when the round of games being played, um, and things like that. Diary allows you to arrange games either as a one-off or a tour, so you can play against those in your upcoming group if you want to, to see what they're like, um, or anybody you want. If you just want to arrange a diary fixture to get a feel for your team and who's good and who's bad and whatever sort of thing, you just arrange your fixture. Um, and you can arrange it for any day, you can arrange it for the following day or whenever it's up to you. Um, and finally, save just allows you to save the game to reload it later because it asks you if you want to load the game at the beginning. So if you've arranged a game, then choosing play takes you to the preparations for your game. And this is where this game actually you know opens up. So first of all, you've got to pick your team. You choose 11 players from your squad as your starting 11. The default formation is usually 4-3-3, um, but you have the option to go into the team tactics and change this. Um, so in fact, in the tactics, you can change to a 4-4-2, or a 4-2-4. So that's four in defense, two in midfield, four in attack, or four, you know, that's what it is. You've got options. You can play uh, attacking, defensive, or balanced. You can go for a slow build-up, counter-attacking, or normal build-ups. You can opt for zonal marking or man-to-man marking. If this doesn't mean anything to you, zonal marking means I mark this area. And anyone that comes into this this place, I will mark them. Man-to-man means I will I am assigned to that person, and I will follow them and track them and make sure they don't go off or wherever. Um you can choose a short, normal, or long passing style. You can choose how aggressive to be in tackling. So, you know, don't go in for strong tackles, be balanced, or really you know, get into them. Obviously, this has the downsides if you go, you know, if you're not very strong in tackling, you might get pushed off the ball a lot. If you're normal, whatever, if someone's going to be aggressive, or if you're going for aggressive, you run the risk of fouls being given and bookings and sendings off and that sort of thing and finally you can opt whether to play a normal defensive system or a sweeper system so quite a lot of tactics here um and certainly a lot more than what we saw in football manager 2 so once you've chosen your team um you can even then go in and tweak the tactics for each player so you you may tell your team to be a normal thingy but you might tell your center midfielder to be aggressive in tackling or to play long balls so you can actually you know micromanage each player to be different to the team stats that's really good. And I don't know how much difference it makes behind the scenes. I'm guessing it does, but it seems to. So this is quite, you know, this, this is really good sort of allowing you sort of, uh, you know, quite forward thinking and allowing you to get in there and sort of set the team up as you want it to do it. And you can override the marking system, pass style, as I said, anything you want to do. You can even tell them, set who takes corners, who takes penalties, who takes free kicks, and who does the throw-ins as well. So you can set all them. You set a player to do each one of them as well. So once you're happy with all this tinkering, you go to you go to play and the match will start. So the view switches, um, and it switches to something that's not too dissimilar to a modern-day betting app. So something like Bets365 or Sky Sports, yeah. you know, Sky, Sky Betting. If you've ever played one, if you've ever watched a game on one of those, this is very similar to that, I thought. Really similar. So yes. um, at the top, um, so... The teams um, and the score is right at the top. Then under that, there's like a text-based update system, update of the game being played. So so there's updates on passes. So it'll say, you know, Cotty passes to Lineker, bad pass, so-and-so picks it up and, you know, blah, blah. and it'll do it play by play, minute by minute as you're passing through it. This, you know, you can feel this game being played. So it'll update some passes, throw-ins, corners, shots, goals. If you shoot and score, whenever you shoot, it's like it's got a really cool little pause like three dots it's like so and so shoots dot 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 and it's wide 
And you're like, oh, damn it. So that's really, you know, this builds a little tension into it. And there's quite a little, some nice little touches like that. Um, under that, so under the uh, this sort of text-based thing, which takes a part, the top part of the screen, you've got the elapsed time. So it just basically counts up in minutes, 1 to 45. There's no extra time or injury time or anything like that. And then you go to, uh, you know, the sub, you know, half time, whatever. There's also a visual of the pitch. And this is, you know, again, similar to a betting app because it's essentially like a highlighted bar that moves up and down the pitch across left and right to the pitch, depending on where the action is taking place. And it tracks it. So you kind of know, oh, with a lot of, there's a lot of play in our house. This isn't good. We need to sort of switch up our tactics a bit, change stuff and you know, things like that. So that's it. the actual way it represents the game is actually really well done. That sort of combo of the pitch and showing you where the play is and the, and the sort of up-to-date, you know, updates in this text way are, is really quite a good way of sort of doing it and te- gets away from that sort of crap visual style that a lot of these games kind of, you know, get hampered by. This just does away with it. Don't even try. Like, no. So you can, it's almost like, you know, watching a video printer go up or listening to it on the radio or something like that. It's kind of got that kind of feel, um, but you, you can go in and change stuff. Um, so at the bottom of this, you've got a couple of options. You can pause the game, which is nice, you know, if you want to pause it, or you can make a substitution. And if you do make a substitution, uh, and you can do that at any time, so anytime during the game, you can go in and make a substitution. At that point, if you make it, you can also go in and change the team tactics or the player tactics again for all your players. So if something's not working, you can swap it up a bit and change it up, bring someone new on or like that. Um, as the game progresses, goals are scored or not, you know, and it yeah, keeps you on. And the, the scores here are realistic as well. You know, you're not going to get your eight sevens and stuff like that. It's like sometimes you get a one, you know, three one or two one or one nil or lots. I got lots of nil nils, like because it's England. It's England in the 80s, so that's what happened. <clears throat> um, so at half time, you can make changes to your strategy. So here you, you don't even have to make a substitute. You can go in and change your strategy or you can just carry on. Um, when the game is over, you get the match stats as you did for the, if you were watching a game um, and you get some, then you get some comments from the press. So if you're not doing well, it's like, you're oh, boring, boring, ugh, fails to impress and all that. Or if you do well, yeah, England do well or so-and-so and yeah, to get them as well. Um, and after that, it's back to the menu and you carry on. So you play through the first months. Like I said, you start in July um and when you get to the cup you get you play your games the same way and afterwards you get all the results the the you can look in the diary so the games happen in start in october so the cup games don't start till october so you've got to get through from july to things so it allows you plenty of time to play some friendlies get to know your team um as you see fit you can just skip it on just keep pressing date to get to the cup games it's completely up to you um after that, so you get your stats um, and you get all the cup results and you see the groups and where you are in the group and you can go and check them. And some of the groups have five teams in. So some of those, you can see how that's all planned out. Um, and that's it. So then, you know, you progress through the cup. Um, and this this way this all works is that you have to qualify so over the two years. So it's a long period. It's not just one game and you're into the cup. You've got to play all the teams in your group at least twice, both home and away. And if you get top of the group, you get into the finals. Um, now, I didn't play it as long enough to, to get to the finals. You have to, it takes a while to play this, to watch every game and do it, even, you know, if you speed things up a bit. So uh, I had a bit of a time constraint playing this, but, you know, it looks like it goes all the way through to the cups and then you have the cup, cup rounds and play that. If you get through that, you then progress to the World Cup, and I imagine it follows the same same thing. But from teams, or when you get to the World Cup, it'll be teams from all around the world in the World Cup, and that's your four years, and that's what you've got to do. With. There's a lot of lot of time this is going to take. This is not a dip in, you know, and oh, just have a quick game. It's like you've got to afford some time, and you're going to need that save and load function because this is quite a lengthy game to sort of try and work your way through and make your way all the way to the end. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is easily the best managerial sim we've looked at. 
by far. It addressed all those issues I had. We were talking about Football Manager 2 last time when you were reviewing that, and you found that quite easy to get into, and I was saying, it's missing all these bits, the bits that I kind of want. This has it, and it has them all there. I like the wealth of options you have to change things up, the tactics on offer, the ability to create my own team for another country. I like the text-based updates, the way that works. The menus are quick. The game is quick. It's easy to navigate the whole thing with a joystick, and it's easy to get into and play games, even if you do not want to get stuck into the tactics side of thing. You can just pick a team and go. You know, you don't have to. You can just leave it balanced and let it let it play. As early management sims go, uh, I think this is excellent, um, and I enjoyed my time with it. And I may continue to try and guide Spain because I did. I took a snapshot uh, to the Nations Cup and hopefully the World Cup. I'd dip in every now and again to play a game um, at some point in the future. I really did enjoy this. I thought it was a really good management sim for an 8-bit management sim. And I think getting rid of the graphics was, a, was is a smart touch. Um, and this was just an, an enjoyable... I mean, I love football, obviously, um, and so your mileage may vary. But as one of these kind of games, this is certainly the best we've looked at by far, just for its pace, its speed, and its depth. So I really enjoyed this. What about you? Yeah, it was exciting, wasn't it? I suppose the potential of playing as England, never never a bad thing. I think it missed the localization a little bit of the other ones, So because it's all international teams. And if you don't know anything about football, you definitely don't know a lot about international teams. It's a bit lost in there. Um, I thought to myself, I, this was going to be the year that Calibos Dogegg took his <laughs> England squad to victory. I did try the other ones as well, give my own team names. found all that a bit exhausting after a time, but it was all, it was all part and parcel of it. It's, the one thing you'll say about this game is that it's, it's fast to navigate through and get through to stuff. I don't know how how it happened, but I ended up playing against South Korea, um, yeah. and and sort of sort of because I, I I don't know it. I had like it what looked like to me like it was the all the groupings for a World Cup because um I, I chose England and then all of a sudden it was just displayed all these different groups um and I was in the same group as South Korea and then I was playing South Korea that was mother that was the game I played. I lost to South Korea as well. Ugh. Um, I chose a squad of randoms. Um, <laughs> names are recognised, probably positions they've never played. <laughs> probably knows. why then. <laughs> um, but I lost to South Korea. But um, I was able to get in and do what I needed to do. I could see that this had all of the um, the deeper layers that you were, you know, clawing for with um, against Football Manager Two. And I totally get that this would really appeal. I think. I think for me. I don't generally get on with these kind of games. But I was still able to get in and, and you know and enjoy the vicarious nature of, of what these things are. Um, I'm not going to get a lot more out of it because I don't know enough about football to know about all of the different nuances. But I totally see where it comes from. It's certainly a good companion game if you like this kind of thing. You, you would you would do well to have this in one of the football manager games in your in your collection. I'm sure you would have would have had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I totally avoided these back in the day, so they were never going to be on my on my transom. Um, but having played this one, having played Football Manager two, I thought they were both pretty good. I think it didn't need the graphics really. I think, if anything, that that little sort of display it had, where it kind of moved across the pitch, gave you as much information as you needed. Um, yeah. And obviously, you could then go in and change the tactics. I didn't change the tactics when I played it. I thought, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, um, I seem to remember I making John Barnes very it. powerful. Um, <laughs> But other than that, um, he's a powerful man. It had all the sort of, you know, had the names I recognised, some I didn't. I was able to. I, the one thing I will say about this game is that, considering its complexity, it's very, 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 very intuitive in terms of how it's how you control the thing. It's nice and simple. That mm. really good, easy user interface to work your way around, and that you know, even for a novice, was quite interesting. Um, just you're not going to get any of the nuanced parts of this unless you know how to really understand the nuances. But other than that, perfectly acceptable football manager game. And I think because it's there's not many of them, is there? This is probably, like you said, I'm, I'm assuming it's the best one, having not having only really enjoyed two. 
Um, they both seemed all right <laughs> to me. Um, so, but if this is the better one, I'll take your word for it. Um, Zap seemed to agree with you. They seemed to they were they were giving a good good pat on the back. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's all right if you like managing international football teams with silly names. You can do that in this, and that's always good. That is so, always yeah, good. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Good stuff. There we go. Tracksuit manager. Let's move on. Um, we've got another one coming up, and uh, I, I've, I'm hoping it's a, a diamond in the rough, but I could mm. be wrong. Because, Graham, you've got the pleasure of playing Diamond. Diamond games don't often fare well, do they? Dickie's Diamond. Diamond, yeah, I think it springs to mind. Eight ninety nine for this, 22% though. Ooh. Yeah. Not good, that. Publisher no. was Destiny. Um, Destiny, Destiny. And this was coded by Penry the Mild Manor Janitor, according to the, uh, yeah. at least the, the C60. <laughs> I, don't, I think somebody didn't like what they'd done, and I can sort of see why. Mm. Based heavily on a Spectrum game, the tale of this is weird. As you would expect for this, Malik and the Wardens patrolled the system of Luma. <laughs> hey, they're terror ships. <laughs> Uh, their terror ships enforce the doctrine of Zan. Oh, God's sake. Ensuring the balance between the heavens of Zia and Zan. Only once were their services sought. It was to quash an uprising amid the outer planets. War brought prisoners. Trines of thousands were sent out to the darkest Zia uh, to isolation on giant prison ships. There to be forgotten. There to die. Those steel coffins high orbited for hundreds of years. High orbited? Okay. The people of Zan knew only of the story passed down to them. Surely, don't call me surely, they were all dead now. Nobody knew. People just wondered. One prophetic evening. What? (laughs) One prophetic (laughs) evening. Two lovers of Zan looked across the orange sky to notice five new stars, bigger than the rest, almost twinkling like diamonds. The heavens had released the prison ships to fill the sky. An orbit through the heavens had brought them back. Then the legacy unfolded. Those old fusion motors had given their last kick long ago. Now they swarmed with photon fields. Within the confines of those dark ships, the prisoners of Zan scavenged to survive. Advanced strategic regeneration set in. Yeah, and nobody wants that. No. They mutated to breed monsters that were strong in the steely dark. Steely dark? Anyway, so strong. (laughs) So strong. It's a sentence as well. Now they eat through the steel hulls to land on Zan and seek revenge. Son of Malik, the truest of Zan, remembered the story and felt guilt. But whatever he felt, he had to take care of it. Mm. It, <laughs> it would be done as Malik would have been done. Sorry, it would it would be done as Malik would have it done. As a last resort, he'd destroy them. If possible, he'd secure them until something else could be done. A lot of duns in that paragraph. Too many. Too many duns. Only a supertronic, a craft as strong as diamond, could go out there. And he had five under his command. They were equipped to land and secure whole ships. He planned to land on each ship in turn and seal them. He signaled to his crews to fuse up. Death to the Zia, he shouted. No, he said firmly. Let's not forget they were Zan once. <laughs> what? <sighs> right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, where do you go with that? <laughs> Straight to the bank. <laughs> so the trouble with this, right? This is this is prob- this is emblematic of the problem. This game is actually just a buggy piece of shit. Well, there is that as well. Yeah, um, it's made it's made difficult when you play it by the lack of clear instructions because the instructions explain a whole bunch of stuff without any context that applies to the actual game that you play. Mm-hmm. So you've got a clue what you're doing. Nope. It's all meaningless. It's all just guff. The objective here it says to search and secure a prison ship on one of five levels. A ship is deemed secure when all exits have been sealed. The sooner a ship is secured, the more creatures will remain as prisoners. Your score indicates how many prisoners remain. 
and additional points for those killed. Find any exits made by them and uh, land as close as possible. In order to seal them up, you'll need to make your way about the hull, being careful of the prison ship's devices. That's the objective. Yep. And and, and not only does it not make sense, it doesn't tie into the main thing. Nothing here. It's really, it's impossible, this. What you end up with is something very dull and repetitive. Um, You've actually got to basically scroll across a load of meaningless backgrounds in one of five supertronic guises, which you can control um, and you can switch between them. So the best way I can describe what you actually end up doing in the game, because it ties in basically to all of that guff there is, there's loads of extra stuff in the instructions that don't are not conveyed anywhere in the game. Nope. The statuses, the robots have different modes, the, each one has its own strengths. You can only do certain things in certain ways. You have to press... Um, get the status cover with certain key presses. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here, but it, it does not convey in the game. Now, I found the game quite buggy. It, it crashed so many times. It kept go, turning into like a flickery, gibbery mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it very difficult. So it kept crashing all the time. Even the opening screens, it just, you know, you'd press the fire button to start and it would crash. Um, so you end up doing what is, I think, really what is at the heart of this, which is just floating over a load of meaningless backgrounds, trying to figure out what you're meant to be doing. I couldn't pick anything up. I could seem to pick anything up. If I flew over a couple of things, didn't know what they were, what I was meant to do with them or how. Change between the various objects, the supertronics, doesn't help me because I had no context of what I was meant to be doing with any of them, where they were meant to go. So I just floated around, just floated around. And the instructions, as I tried to refer back to them, held no hope because it doesn't explain anything. So what you end up with is is a, just a really boring mess of a game. Yep. Graphics are horribly badly realised. Sorry, the graphics are a horribly badly realised version of a Spectrum game. Um and the supertronic responds to your joystick okay, but the rest of the screen fidgets and twitches about. And I said, there's bugs in there. So everything here shouts just bad conversion. Very poor title screen where the scrolling message actually starts at the wrong screen location. So it starts on the right-hand side uh, into the screen. So you see the letters appearing. That's scroll message. Like, that's not, you don't do that. <laughs> Every Everyone that's ever coded a scroller on a C64 knows that's not the way it's done. You don't, you know, you have the, you know, seamless scrolling is the, is the, is the de rigueur there. <laughs> um, and that's just screen positioning that's just basic screen positioning you know don't do that you, you never start your scroll on screen it's just it's a crime no nope. um there's weird controls in it as i said lots of keyboard oddly monochromatic sprites with really weirdly shaded backgrounds that didn't look very nice and that kind of half specky half badly drawn bbc kind of look all very messy all very bitty um the opening screen as i said is this got this really weird blue light blue and red logo diamond straight off the specky out the specky version that mm-hmm. game itself again you've got a ui of sorts but it, it tells you information that doesn't bear any relevance to anything that i could make out nope. it said it said it said that you've got your mode on there but it and you can change the mode depending on what um depending on what uh, supertronic you are but so you've got high, high bar mode solar mode killer mode rover mode doesn't mean anything no because when you change the mode you don't know still know what you're doing i was just wandering around in a different guise not good this um so i didn't enjoy anything about it very poor information doesn't give you anything away doesn't tell you what it is you've got this elaborate story that means literally nothing just all badly realized i didn't like it messy bitty basically full price as well not great value for money and there was um really weirdly there was a um was it this one that had a random cassette with it or is that a different game no yeah it's this one yeah yeah so this one came with a, a randomly it came with a cassette single yeah of a band called uh the company she keeps there was two singles there was a, on the a side you had what a girl wants on the b side was express interest no idea what that's got to do with anything to do with this game at all i don't know no. genuinely don't know uh, rick mails in the video for it we'll post the links in the youtube both songs are a bit forgettable nothing to do with space robots and <laughs> the planet whatever the hell it was and all the rest of it and malik and the wardens and zan i don't know 
what that's got to do with it. Um, so why that's with it, I don't know. I guess it's just because they thought this is crap, so we may as well give them some. Um, and that song, the song came out in 85 or 86, so it's ages old as well. So for you, for your suddenly nine pounds, you're getting a crap broken game that doesn't work with no instructions and a song from a few years ago that you won't remember. Ask Candle. Did you like it? No, I didn't. Did, I've, I've just put the uh, the loading screen into the agenda because that that will just confuse you even further. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it doesn't bear any relevance to anything no. that you're doing, does What's it? What's that white stuff coming out of his pipe? I don't want to know. <laughs> What's that shooting out of his finger? I don't know. Yeah. Why is it like a like a baby thing? I don't know. It's just and there's no. I don't know. It's just no, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't does make it? any sense. No, this is not a good game. What is this? I spent far too long trying to figure out what the hell to do as I meandered around the hull of some god-awful graphical nightmare in my single-coloured sprite that fired multicoloured bullets. Don't mix your reses. Never mix the reses. <laughs> Don't do that. What game uses F2, F4, F6 F and F8 on the Commodore 64? Not a good one. What, what you all don't use barely uses any other key, so why use shift F1, F2? I don't get it. Stupid. Why would you do that? Why are some options shift in another key? We I saw this the other week with that stupid snooker one. So it's, it's, was it on the Amstrad? Were they the keys for an Amstrad, maybe? Because this is just straight lifted off the spectrum. No, because the control the, in the spectrum, they make sense. It's A, S, D, and F. So because oh, I looked, I got the instructions, pasted them in the. Uh, uh, the thing has a picture of them there, so it's ASD and F. But on the Commodore 64 version, it's it's Shift F1, Shift F3, Shift F5, uh, Shift why F7. I can't get it to do anything because I have to press three keys on my Mac keyboard to make them happen. Yeah, it's it's bloody stupid. So why would anyone, you know, oh God, you got the whole keyboard to use? Why use Shift? Why not just F1, F3, F5, and F7? We had this with a game last episode as well. Yeah, it was that snooker one. Yep, that professional snooker. Just stupid. I don't understand this game or what it was actually supposed to be. This is another. It's no, this is one of the worst, most confusing, and illogical pieces of crap I've played this year. This is another contender in the shit on a sticker award, as far as I'm concerned. Awful, just dreadful. It's just a mess. What kind of yep. mode just sets your ship just to go? It's called high bar, and it like just goes round in a big hexagon shape. Stupid. Well, it says, "Oh, press fire when you're over the gaps." And the thing you, I was pressing fire to repair them. Like nothing's happening. Didn't do anything. Yep. Nothing's happening. There's nothing. I, I mean, am I in the right mode? What mode does what? What is solar mode? What is kill up mode? Who knows? It's just god awful. Twenty two percent for this is because I look at because there was that. What was that one we looked at? I, I zero. That was that budget yep. game, wasn't it? And that, that got was, like thirteen yep. percent. That's yep. better than this because I it zero. Is. It won't very good, but it worked and it was it, everything worked and it had that you know with the batteries and things like that. It won't be good, but but this 22% now, this is all over the shop. This should be in the single digits as far as I'm concerned. It's broken, nasty, and horrible. And just yep. stupid, and stupid design options. No, terrible, terrible game. Certainly not a diamond, that's for sure. This came out of a diamond squeezer, if ever yes. I, if ever I've Painfully. seen one. Painfully, yeah. It sort of it came out like that bloody thing in the uh, uh, screenshot. Someone oh. followed through. They thought it was a diamond, but it, it really <laughs> wasn't. Yeah, as you rightly said, when I said to you, you just went, it's, more, it's just coal. <laughs> it is coal, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. This hasn't been formed long enough to be a diamond. It's just dreadful. No. Awful game. Dreadful. Let's move on quickly. We've still got two more to get through. And our next one, LA Crackdown. It is. This is an odd one. This is 14.99 disc only. It's got 61%. So, LA Crackdown, you play a cop in a van. <laughs> That's this game. Did you say cocker van? 
<laughs> you play a cock a van. <laughs> a cop in a van. Cop in a van. <laughs> cop in a van. Cop in a van. In this disc only game from Epics, of all people. Here's the story from the back of the box. Good morning. Something's come up. Or rather, something illegal's just come in. Those two don't. Ma- no, they don't no. work. Something illegal's just come in from Hong Kong. Yes, it's that synthetic drug, Samadhi, again. And unless you can break up the drug ring, half of Los Angeles will soon be under its pernicious influence. Your mission, stake out the Pacific Shipping Company and gather enough evidence to make the bust. We're assigning one of our most promising rookies to be your inside man. You'll direct his every move from two video screens mounted inside the highest of high-tech surveillance vans. Ask him to plant bugs, search the warehouse, interview a character, or maybe just rough up the thugs a bit. It's all up to you. But remember... This rookie has a mind of his own and learns from his past experience. He can refuse or quit at any time. <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> I'm his boss. Just one yep. false arrest charged or one spooked informer and you'll be working this warehouse by yourself. No wonder they call this mission impossible. No, they don't. Um, it doesn't know this makes any sort of sense. If, the, if, if this is such a dangerous drug, why do they just assign it to one man in a van and a rookie cop? Yep. Why isn't the whole police force down there? So that doesn't really make much sense. Um, anyway, this was released by Epic, developed by the Nexa Corporation. Very Robocop, that, isn't it? The Nexa Corporation. Oh, totally. Um, it's got coding done by Leonard Chan and Clifford Yap, and the music is by Chris Grigg. Um, when the game start starts and you have returned, <laughs> returned from your swell low vacation, that's mm. the manual words, not mine, um, you are given your assignment and asked to select from a batch of rookies who you will guide through the investigation. There are four to choose from. Um, and I chose the big and well-grown Felix Schwarzenegger, because of course I would. Um, the game itself is presented in three windows. The top two show a view of the action taking place, and the bottom shows your options, a map of your current location, or of LA if you're outside the location, and the time and date and the status of any bugs you have placed. So when you start, you're outside the police headquarters, and you can see this in the top right view. So the top right is usually outside a location, and the top left view is usually in the internal of a location. You, you, you getting that? That's what it is. Um, so, okay, well, you're outside the police headquarters. First thing you want to do is head to the warehouse to start poking around. You have a list of options, and selecting go to lets you then pick the warehouse. You can go to the warehouse. On the map, your white dot moves off, and in the top right window, we get a little graphic of our van beetling through LA, um, like just a picture of LA and then a a band goes across it. Uh, when we reach the warehouse, we can send our rookie in to start investigating. And once in a room, we have some more options open to us. We have communicate, which lets you speak to the rookie, but they never want to talk back to you. That's what I found. We have we have search, which tells him to search the room for info and clues. We can place a bug in the location, snap pictures of anything interesting we find when we searched it, wait for a short or long amount of time, Arrest someone if you think we have our culprit. Review any evidence we may have collected and listen to anything from the bugs we have planted. Identify someone who may be there to get a profile on them, or we can just quit. So, as we send the rookie into the various locations, we get a visual representation of them in the top left window. So, sometimes there will be someone in the location. Um, so, before we go in, so you pick it, you go into location to the restroom, and it'll, it'll say, oh, uh, ooh, I can hear voices coming from him. Do you want me to go in or not? Um, and so, you, you, you know, if you don't, you don't go there. But if you do, then you'll you basically start up a conversation. But usually, they're just telling you, hey, what are you doing here? You should be in here. Get out. Um, sometimes, while you're in there, people will enter the location and talk to us. They may give us clues, but mainly they just tell us to go away. At some point, cars will leave the warehouse. And if you're quick enough and get your rookie out, you can choose to follow them to their location. Then we get a whole new location to explore. I found a uh, a, a restaurant. 
or something. That's what I found. And try to find evidence of wrongdoing. Um, so if all this sounds exciting, it isn't at all. <laughs> the, the game comes with a good manual, lots of tips and hints, and even character profiles of the main characters, the main bad guys that are in the game. But none of that really covers the fact that this is just a bit dull. I found myself wandering from location to location, bumping into the same people, having the same conversations over and over. My rookie just kept asking for a job from these people. I don't know what he was doing. I was kind of communicating with him, saying, just ask him questions about stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. I just wasn't really getting anywhere. I wasn't finding any clues. I found some cover bits. I followed a car to a bar, that's what I found, and then had the same conversation with someone there and just found nothing of interest. Searching areas turned up very little note. I just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere in any meaningful sense. There's a real lack of guidance and easing you into the game. Once it starts, you're just on your own. There's no real feedback if you're getting anywhere. And that's the main problem with this. You're just like, am I doing the right have I done anything? Is there anything to, to do? There's no no like right, go here first, maybe it's find this and then drip feed the sort of thing it's just like oh, there you go i found some records um and a bill of uh, sort of you know uh work records so it's basically times of day when people were working or whatever but i didn't know what they made meant anything i found a bill of lading but it didn't mean anything there was nothing to tie it all together no one was talking no one was doing anything i was searching all the references blah. so just having my rookie wander from place to place and tell me there was nothing there was not the sort of la crackdown i was expecting it feels more like an adventure game to me you know this but with added wandering just with graphical pants on and using a joystick to put in commands but it also felt like a lot of wandering and searching and aimlessness for no real reward and i soon just couldn't be bothered trying to force my way into the game i just didn't enjoy this i found it dull and dreary and it may be great underneath and there may be sort of clever things and the whole you know arrest and trying to arresting and working out the mystery and going from place to place and all this sort of stuff but it's really bland and boring to play and it needed it needed a better in it needed to guide me in and give me something like a smaller task to do to get used to the mechanics and how things work search this find this prosecute that say that do this there you go now on to the big case they needed a sort of a demo mode or something like that and it just doesn't have that you remember when we played um killed until dead and they had a tutorial mode if i remember rightly didn't they which sort of talks yep. you through everything right now go here and press this look and do them you can do this and this is how it all works this needed that. And if it had that, I may have had a sort of an understanding of how the main game was supposed to play out and what I was supposed to do and go in places. But there is none of that. And because of that, I just fell off it because I, just, I wasn't, you know, I don't know. I waited wait until the middle of the night and started searching, but nothing changed. The view didn't change. No, I'm, I'm bored of this. That was it. So I just gave up on it after a while. Not for me. Really, really not for me. What about you? Principally all the same issues. I think it's, I mean, how the mighty have fallen really with Epic's this is quite possibly, and maybe, um, they've inadvertently created one of the dullest games that we've played in a long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the surface, it's got, if it had that kind of killed until dead approach, keep the keep the core things simple and just, you know, keep the locations relatively simple and just keep the thematic. But it doesn't have that and it doesn't have an in. It's combined, it combines the worst elements of, of those kind of things um, with an almost Cosby notion of extensive text-based drama and um, so much to read in this game it's just then just clicking and reading and clicking and just and it's boring i find myself massively bored and not really finding myself getting into it as much as i tried um it requires a lot of the player which is fine for a game of this type if you're going to go with it um and that's right from the get-go but and then maybe there's an audience for that um, i don't doubt that there is maybe somewhere that would probably get into it but 15 pounds for a disc only text adventure really is what it is mm-hmm. this is just a text adventure with a little bit of little bit of graphics in it and a little bit of engine in it but it's it's ultimately is what you play is quite dull 
I could never get anywhere. Nothing. Nobody was talking. Nobody was doing anything. It's the worst episode of Miami Vice ever. (laughs) Just, I just wandered around not doing a lot. And in a game like this, you know, stuff needs to happen. You need to, you know, and it just, it didn't do it for me, this. um, And I just couldn't get past it. And in the end, I just like, I'm just fed up of looking at screens and not getting anywhere. And I had to switch off. So no, not, not for me, this one. Bit of a misfire from Epics for me. Yeah. LA Cackdown. Yeah. Yeah. Good. There Very good. Go. Thank you. You are yeah, yeah, proud of that one. There we go. That's LA Crackdown. Let's move along. We've got one, one game left. By the title, this one should be Ace. Because, Graham, you are the Vindicator. The Vindicator. Published by Imagine. Aye. Um, this. Um, title screen Martin McDonald, music Donald, uh, Donald Duck, then. Jonathan Dunn. Don't know who coded it. I don't know why I haven't read that down. Why I haven't. I'll tell you if you carry on. Somewhere in there, find it. Anyway, so the blurb is nice and sweet and short for this one, which is nice, isn't it, when you get one of them? Um, Invaders from a distant star have laid the earth to waste. Mankind has survived, but only just. Small pockets of humanity lie scattered across the desolate landscape, and in one is a man wanting to fight back, waiting to strike a blow for his world, his kind. He is the Vindicator. dun 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 Battle through torturous mazes to infiltrate the alien computer system and build a device capable of eliminating the starboard invaders. Take to the air against the mechanized legions, race across the planet's surface in your high-powered jeep, then face the giant guardian of the catacombs in his underground lair. Be, be quick, be skillful, be the vindicator. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's that's the blurb. This game is um, apparently the sequel to Green Beret. Yeah, I saw that as well. So apparently, I'm, I'm not sure, sure about that. Why, or <laughs> what, maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get that from it. Um, so there's essentially three games here, three scenarios that you play through. Um, and you, to, you've obviously you've completed the first one, you go to the second, second, the third, and that's kind of what they were alluding to with the, you know, fight your way through this, do this, do that. Are you the Vindicator? The first one is called The Complex. And in this one, um, so the game starts obviously with a sort of, I wouldn't say it was a great title screen, but it's a title screen anyway. And it's a sort of, you know, press fire to start. Decent, decent music. Donaldson Dunn music isn't bad for this. It's been, the screen is split when you do start the game into different areas for this particular part. Um, the hand, uh, the left-hand side is an image of your gun with an ammo cartridge indication. In the middle is the kind of square gameplay area um, mm. for the maze and rooms you explore and where you control your Vindicator. On the right is your computer and lift pass display, cartridge display, compass direction, oxygen level, number of bomb components, score and lives. Quite a lot crammed in there mm. to that. Quite a lot going on. Um, you control the Vindicator in this scenario um, with the joystick, and it takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, the say. joystick and fire button do control your sprite, but you sort of walk downwards towards the screen. But you can put, sort of go up and down, but if you pull down, it'll walk towards the screen. Left and right can go either down different corridors or into rooms if there's a door, or lifts if there's one in that direction. Or if you push upwards, it flips 180 degrees, and you sort of walk back on yourself. It's a bit odd. Yes, yes, it is. I don't quite get why they didn't just use up, down, left, and right, but... Okay, they didn't. And I, I sort of, what I found with this was, these kind of navigation systems, we've had them before. It reminded me a little bit of um, Death Wish 3, reminded me of a couple of games of that ilk. Yeah. Um, the the um, He-Man game. He-Man game. Okay, I get it. All right, you're going to do it this way, fine. What you need to do in a scenario like that is make sure that the backgrounds that you're ma- the major in is varied enough and has enough visual cues for you to feel like you are getting somewhere yeah now there are places you can pick up map components in this and, and that flashes a map for a second but it won't help you it's no. a bit like the map in he-man it's of no use so what you will end up doing inevitably is just wandering around and just sort of navigating your way through and, and by look the judgment you'll probably end up at a lift yeah 
Um, you'll go in and out of rooms. Um, the, and in some of the rooms, there's things to pick up. There's uh, lift passes and, and sort of things like that. Um, in some of them, there's aliens in there and you can shoot them and get the sort of component parts of things on there. And maybe you'll even get a bomb part if you're lucky. I, don't, I never did, but apparently you can. Um, you'll find it a bit of a pain in the ass because your weapon has different modes and the initial mode you is shoot slowly, which bullets don't shoot slowly. <laughs> so you find yourself sort of wanting to shoot more than you can, and then the aliens go backwards and forwards, and they will always take away your oxygen, which is what you your sort of limited supplies of ammo and oxygen. In a game like this, those are the stupidest things to be. I mean, ammo I get, and you can pick up more ammo, and you can change ammo to different things. So there are ammo out there that fires quicker. But it's limited. Mm-hmm. So you've got a, quite a lot of aliens and not a lot of ammo. And I never found any ammo to top them up. I found one, I think, one different type. Um, but essentially, you're just wandering around a maze in the first um, scenario here, looking for ways to get out of it. And eventually, you probably will if you just wander around enough. But it is a dreary episode of wandering in dull graphic corridors that all kind of look very same, very similar. Dull graphics, really. The main sprite's quite nice. Your sprite, the enemies are okay. Um, but every room that you go into looks exactly the same. It's kind of a ladder in the background, every uh-huh. single one. So there's no imagination, really. In fact, this initial scenario lacks visual imagination other than the main sprite, which is reasonable. Everything else looks like a really dull maze with really dull gray lifts, and it's just very boring and all very samey. If you do make it through that, um, and you'd need some patience to do it, but if you do, you'll get to scenario two, where it changes tack somewhat. So scenario two is called the Tortured Land. Yeah. Here, you, you actually start, it's like, it turns to a shoot 'em up vertical scrolling shoot 'em up Yeah. So you control initially you control a fighter plane and you've got to use that to clear a path on the map allegedly with bombs so that you can then drive your jeep your armored jeep through the through to the catacombs so it's a very much a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up um the display and the logo changes at this point so it goes from the vindicator just vindicator I'm guessing they didn't somebody didn't draw the right thing twice <laughs> um at the top, you have your fuel status and your current number of bombs. At the bottom, your score. In the middle, you have your main gameplay area. Action is controlled with a joystick. The movement was okay, I thought. Graphics are passable, if a bit bitty. And there's lots of yellow in there, which is always, the background's a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Main sprite was okay. Everything else is off in some way that's just not not that nice, a bit bitty. Weird mixes of resolution, again, leave much to be desired. It sort of works, but there's some flickering I noticed as well. And it just doesn't feel like it gels in any way to the first game that you played. It's like a completely different game. It's like you've just loaded up a different game. And you may as well have, really, for the difference it makes. Yeah. You don't feel like you're progressing anywhere. Even when you're when you flying the airplane and it changes to the Jeep, it's not very well controlled. Just take a note of the way the Jeep controlled in um, Fernandez Must Die. That was much better than this. In yeah. fact, that was a much better shoot up than this. Nah, far better. Um, yeah. So, you, so you've gone from a dull maze game to a very low average uh, vertical shoot 'em up. Once you get through that, you're going to get to the final scenario, which is the catacombs. Now, there's a good soundtrack in that section. I'll give it that. Um, but this is where it becomes a really dull multi, well, by by platform side scrolling walk and shoot. And we've seen loads of these, loads of them. <laughs> yeah. Sort of imagine a, a crap rolling thunder or yeah, yes, yeah, a, there's, exactly there's loads of games like that. It's not very good. Or later, Robocop looks a bit like this as well, and a few of the ocean licenses. And then I think even um, um, there's another ocean game that looks a lot like this, so they, they, they start to look a bit of, of a type. Yeah, it's impossibly hard. That third section, it's ridiculous. I lost all my lives, all my lives, all three of them in about eight seconds. Yep, on average, I just couldn't get anywhere. Um, I tried to walk, you've got to walk left to right and shoot stuff. There's a lift if you can make it to that, but you can't. I just died so quickly. The backgrounds are really, really dull, badly drawn gray brick walls. The sprites are all okay. 
But this is so hard, and it actually feels a little bit unfinished and underpolished. So this game gets progressively worse as you go through the stages. There's lifts you can use, but it's really flicky when you get to them, and you'll be dead in seconds anyway. The sprites attack all the time, and it's very difficult to be able to fight them off or do anything with them. You are going to die in this very quickly. Um, and the, the reason for all of this is because it's hiding that imagine slash ocean problem. The problem being there isn't a hell of a lot to do, so we'll just make it really difficult because that's how we hide that fact. Yeah. And this cl- that's clear because there's nothing to do in this. In this level, you're just walking around shooting stuff and hoping to find stuff. Um, I'd rather have gone back to the maze game. I mean, I didn't like it, but it was better than that. So as a whole, it's not very pleasant, is it? All the three things are very loosely connected. They bear no resemblance to anything that's mentioned in the instructions that I could see. They all get progressively worse. There's no real sort of thread that pulls all these things together. They just feel like three interconnected games with arguably the same character, but not really doing anything coherent. Maybe you could get some fun from mapping level one. You might get some fun out of level two if you like shooting ups, but not very good ones. Um, You won't make it past five seconds in level three anyway, so you're never going to get further than that. Um, it just doesn't gel together. Nice coding touches here and there for sure. Maybe nice sprite design, I suppose. But it's all lost in a game that simply doesn't work. It doesn't work as a game. It functions, but it doesn't gel together. So I found it gradually frustrating in the end. 64% it got in Zap. I think that's high. I'd, yeah. have, given this, I'd have given this in the 30s to 40s. Dreary, a dreary game that has literally no purpose. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. What about you? Yeah, same. You can't have a game that's as bad as this and call it the Vindicator. It's too too good at, you know, although it's, it's just a bit weird, isn't it? Not it's a like game. <laughs> Vindicated. Who's Vindicating? Don't really it sounds like a, a kind of cool name like the Equalizer, but actually the Vindicator is just someone who just like vindicates someone in it. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you you yeah, you were vindicated in your actions. <laughs> that's all they are. It's like a lawyer. Yeah, it's just a yeah, it's just a good word to use, isn't it? Yeah, sounds hard, but it actually doesn't mean what you think it means, maybe. Three distinct sections, none of which are in any way fun or enjoyable in the slightest. A boring, bland 3D May section, which has been ripped from Platoon, I thought, um, and Grisor and all those kind of things. This was coded, by the way, by John Megan. Um, it's not okay. listed on Lemon 64, but it is on Moby. Now, you may recognize it, because ironically, John, John Megan did Robocop. Oh, there you go. Explains Untu- that last level. Untouchables. Yeah, they all look a bit like that. Total Recall. Oh, there you go. I knew there was there. <laughs> Total Recall looks exactly like that last level. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he's that something. He also did uh, Short Circuit. He also did Slap Fight. He's done. A, he's, he's another sort of uh, ocean imagined stalwart, basically. Did loads yeah, of yeah. Yeah. So he's been ripped from Platoon, followed by a crap vertical shooter that's been bettered by loads of other games. I don't understand. It's, it's really wide, but that shooter, but because of the way they've done the UI on it, there's, there's no there's really little screen to actually yep. play around in. Absolutely. Um, which is crap. Um, and finally, a crap Rolling Thunder type shooter with ugly UI and annoying enemies and boring yep. backgrounds. Some of the sprite work is good. Um, there's there's some nice sprite work. Some of the graphics good. I thought the music and the music's really the standout feature in this. Um, it is good throughout throughout most of it. I thought the music was really pretty mm. good. But the game as a whole is just a, it's just a mess of dull and repetitive guff. Um, I was expecting something decent from the from the name and the ads for this. I know I shouldn't fall for the ads, but it looks kind of cool. And you're thinking, all right, maybe this is another, un, you know, Fernandez must die. This might be something yeah, cool, a multi-action yeah. one. Maybe I've not played it, but I don't know. It, I think I was, in my head, what, there's one similar name to this. Uh, uh, there's, there's one that's a similar name to this. Um, I can't remember what it was. It comes later. It's not Tusker, but it's there's another one, something similar. I can't remember what it was called. There's a later game. It's something some of the Ata, some Eliminator or something or other. There is a game called Eliminator, but I'm not sure that it looks like this. There's another one beginning with V as well. I think, yeah. Is it Vendetta? 
Is that, I think I may yeah, be Vendetta, go- yeah. It's the one I'm- with the Matt Gray soundtrack, yeah, Vendetta. Yeah, was that a System 3 game or? Yeah, it's, it looks it looks a little bit like a sort of a a, a, a thick set version of a, of um, Last Ninja, I to recall. Vendetta, let me just, yeah, let me just have a look. So I think I was getting this confused with that. Um, yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I played Vendetta and I think in my head, yeah, it's got the car bit, hasn't it, in Vendetta? Um we have to sort of drive the car about. Yeah, so I think I was, in my head, I'd mixed the two up. So I was expecting this to be Vendetta. When I got it, I was like, this isn't that. This is this is nowhere near as good. It's just Vendor, Vendetta, Vindicator. It's just similar, yeah. similar words. Um, yeah, but you know, maybe an unexpected gem, but certainly not. What All I got was some, I just all I got was some shit shoes from a shitty shoe bastard when I played this. That was like what I felt like. Yeah. And no one wants imagine. that. No one. No. Nobody wants shit shoes. Uh, this was, yeah, 64% is way too generous. It, it, I can see that maybe given it for presentation, because graphics are nice mostly, um, and although, like you said, there's too much yellow in that middle section, and the, the music is, is is excellent. I really like the music, but the game itself is, to call this a sequel to Green Beret, mm. you know, my favourite run and stabathon is is no, no, not having no. that. Because it's no. nothing like it. It's not even... It's, no, it's absolutely not. nothing like it whatsoever. So what a what a boring rubbish game to end on that was. Yeah, dreadful. Mm. Didn't like it at all. Here we go. The Vindicator. It was not vindicated. It was should have been eliminated, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Here we go. That's it. That's it for this issue, uh, for this episode, sorry. Um, what did we look at? We looked at Catechus. It's not our type. It's our type. Hey. That's what it is. So uh, <laughs> um, we looked at Mr. Wino, which should never have been. Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge, which is, you know. <laughs> it's here to pump you up. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, it's ruined my, uh, my, my biceps and my triceps. Listen up, all you little boily boys. <laughs> and girly girls. Oh, no. <laughs> Waggling. Why did it have to be waggling? <laughs> hey! Uh, Odysseus, Trojan Warrior, which I think is the biggest disappointment this episode because yeah. it's so close to being great. It is, but then they put the horse in the tunnel. Not a good idea. It's never good, no. That's uh, a sentence tra- I didn't think I'd say today. It's, well, no, already. They put the horse in the tunnel, man. <laughs> and I kept putting me back. There was no need for it. Tracksuit Manager, which was you know good for a football manager games. Diamond, which was... Cole, LA Crackdown, which LA Crackdown, Boring. and the Vindicator, which was not. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, there you go. That's a bunch of games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we got coming up next week because obviously, yeah, October is just done in two weeks. So next week, obviously, along with all films and TV, we've got Summer Olympiad. Ooh. Now let's see if that's any good. Can't be any worse than that Winter Olympiad one we played. Yeah. Uh, we've got Stunt Bike Simulator. Oh, God's sakes. No. <laughs> More of that. Scuba Kids. Interesting. Wally Bevan's soundtrack for that is quite interesting. It's got weird samples in it. Yeah, I seem to remember something about the sound of that. Scorpius. Okay. Who knows? Ball, ball Blaster. Who knows? Okay. The Fury. Who knows? Psycho Pigs UXB. Mm. The dubious advert. Um, Hot Shot. And okay. Ricochet. Rock now, interestingly, apart from Stunt Bike Simulator, and there's nothing under 50% in that lot. So. 
Oh, God. Who knows? Everything's over 50%, so it's all better than average yeah, next week. It's, well, that's good. And I remember Ricochet having a good Hubbard soundtrack. It's got samples in there. I think it's Hubbard. Might, might could be wrong. Could be wrong. Who knows? But yeah, so that's what we've got coming up next week. If you wish to spot the sort of podcast, you can do that. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash sap to the past. It's £4.50 a month for the full fat experience. You get to join us on our Discord, ask us questions for our Ask the Podcast. You, When we ever do something special, if you are listening on the um, episode 100 special, you see that uh, we had our patrons joining in in all ways, joining us on the podcast, writing reviews, recording reviews, all that. You get the chance to sort of partake in all that when we do those kind of things. So that's cool. You get the uh, episodes ad-free and early as well. So lots of good stuff if you wish to do that. And obviously it helps us out as well, keeps us going, pays for stuff and all things like that. So that's cool if you want to do that. Or you can just chip it, chuck us a quid on there if that's what you want. And that's also greatly appreciated. And so, yeah, you can do that. If you want as well, if you listen to this on YouTube, I'm going to do the, you know, subscribe and like yes <laughs> I, thought ne- I, th- I thought i'd never say that but i don't know what it does but subscribe and like do it's up to you but if you want to do that that'd be cool i don't know this was a it wasn't a particularly stunning episode was it of games no it's the good some good some good attempts catechism is good attempt and um of course uh trojan warrior had its moments didn't yeah. it but the rest of it is all a bit pants yeah and tracksuit warrior tracksuit managers tracksuit good. Manager, if you yeah. like that if you like if you like football that, yeah, it's a good one of those it is a very good one of those yeah best one we've played yeah. so far but the rest not so much yeah so there you go that's it this week uh we'll be back again next week we've told you the games we're going to do i think we should call it a day and get out of here i think that's it and, i think leave we our listeners yeah. to stop listening to us so as ever i have been adrian mills i have been graham raddings and you have been listening to keith richant and the living spaghetti <laughs> and we will be back again next week with more of the same so we will see you again then Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.